Now, the, the funny thing about the Macarena is that it uh, came out actually in 1993, but it was popular. It, it peaked in 1996, so I counted it, even though it didn't. I for everything else, I said it had to come out in 1996 before I would listen to it. But the Macarena was such, such a thing. Wow! You can't over. You can't <laughs> not include it in, as part of your 1996, you know, entree. You got to have it in there. <laughs> Of all the songs in the world, I would never have guessed Macarena to have a three-year runway to its peak. You assume that that would just be a flashbang, it's there, and it's gone. And the thing about having the Macarena stuck in your head is that you don't know the words to the Macarena. Oh, no, not at all. You know? Like, I don't know any of that. And that's just me trying my best to, to come close to what I think I'm hearing. So what I end up doing is a lot of that and then just being like, Macarena. and just doing that over and over and over, like not getting to any of the other parts, not even doing the dance, just washing the dishes, Macarena. over and over. It's insane. It's it's torture. Hey, as long as, long as you're hitting that Macarena at the end of the line, no one else cares. <laughs> you're good. I know. That's the thing. It's, I've been whistling the Macarena. No one's ever whistled it. I've whistled it. <laughs> It's insane the different ways that you can express the Macarena, even without the dance. You're on a whole new plane, my friend. Well, speaking of being on a whole new plane, this is a whole new episode of the Polykill Podcast. We talk about the Macarena. We talk about video games that we're playing. The ones that we're going to be buying soon, maybe. The ones that we're beating on now. If you're into that, if you like to hear about two guys you've never met before, but you want to know what games are these two strangers playing, if you have a kink like that, we can probably satisfy that kink. Right, Steve? Yeah, that's got to be the easiest kink to have satisfied. But yeah, I mean, you're already here, so you might as well right? let us do it today. Don't you wish you had a very easily satisfied kink? That's why I'm always so jealous of the feet, guys. <laughs> feet are everywhere. <laughs> you, can't, you can't avoid them. <laughs> I know. You go to a beach, it's just crazy amounts of feet. And I'm out here like, the feet do nothing for me, you know? I know. Kudos to those guys, though. The... the, the Ah, feet guys out there just... I, we, I just think you have it easy, feet guys. That's all I'm saying. They're living their best life. A, a kink that you can satisfy with your own body? Win-win. <laughs> That's actually a really good point, too. Yeah. Well, hopefully you're kinky for us, too, because this is what you're getting. I'm Travis. That over there, that's Steve. He sometimes goes by Blink mm -hmm. when he's feeling especially late 90s punk rock. And today we're going to be talking about uh, mainly 1996 and everything else in between. So let's get started by not talking about 1996 <laughs> and talking extricably about the next two weeks of 2021. I almost forgot what year it was because I haven't said that in 28 <laughs> days. Uh, we got uh, we, there's a few things it's starting to pick up. You yeah. know, despite despite the previous year's efforts to derail all of humanity, video games are still coming out and they're starting to pick back up again. And I'll, I'll, the only things I'm excited for are a few games that are actually already out. They're just coming to my favorite console to my favorite current console to collect for, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. So the only current gen, which if, if you can even call the Switch a current gen now, I don't even know. But I like getting the old Switch games. It's fun. So they have a few coming there. Crash 4 is coming to the Switch. That plasticky, shiny thing. Looks so good. I, Looks fun. You play. You liked it. That, that's a, a good bit. one. It's a tough one. It's a tough. You got to put some time in on that one. 
Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it. And then uh, Sea of Solitude, that's one that you're also looking forward to, yeah? Yeah. This is So this is very much my wheelhouse. I recently heard this genre of game referred to as an adventure platformer, which is about the closest thing to accurate I can think of. So, you know, stuff like Eco, Rhyme, The Pathless, which just came out, kind of these like artsy-ish platformers. And mm-hmm. this is just one that like was squarely in my sights and then I just didn't play it and didn't play it and didn't play it and eventually it just got completely washed over by other stuff. But now I can say that there's a reason for that because apparently there's a director's cut coming out. I don't know what is the extra content in that, but it's getting re-released on systems that I have hooked up and readily available, so I do want to play it. It it gives me some vibes of Eco and yeah and last guardian and some of that too so uh, i mean do you get that as well is that a little bit why you're drawn to oh, it oh 100 percent. yeah absolutely awesome yeah and t- i guess to feed a little bit more about this game if you'd have forgotten it like me i remember seeing a trailer for it maybe a couple years ago at this point i don't even remember but um it, it i guess the purpose of it is to somewhat exemplify or illustrate or i don't know artistically represent many different, um, I guess, metaphorical creatures that symbolize things like depression mm-hmm. and um, just different types of painful emotions. So I think that that's an interesting take. So I'm interested to see how they play with that. I think that's a, a unique concept. So Yeah, couple that with like flooded cityscapes and weird bird people. We'll see. Mm-hmm. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll see how it goes, but it looks good. Looks really good. Yeah. And then I just I'll go ahead and throw my last one out there because I lumped them together as in finally coming to switch the the trio. Uh I also am into two point hospital and they got that jumbo edition coming out. <laughs> and I don't know I don't know if you're like me, man. I like a good game. I like a good uh I just like to be in control. And being in control of a hospital sounds pretty fun, right? So uh may, again, you know, pandemic aside, I've always been a huge fan of of the hospital type games. I'm a little more put off of it now, but they got some really cool, um, uh, what do you call them, DLCs or whatever, or like uh, packs for for this expansion that I, I didn't know was even a part of this. And it makes me want to play it so much more. So the, in other words, the whole, the whole reason I would want to play Two Point Hospital, because I like the idea of managing something real like a hospital. I think that, that'd be kind of fun. I know that's dorky and nerdy, <laughs> but I mean, look, look who you're talking to, right? But I didn't know that they had a Bigfoot expansion. Oh. They got, <laughs> yeah, yeah, already you're like, oh, I'm in. <laughs> Um, and this is how they sell them too. They got one that's called off the grid. And I think it just, maybe it introduces like some new, um, areas or something like that, new types of hospitals. But like at the very bottom on the website, it's like, what all's included in this? We well, get three new awesome locations, 35 new illnesses <laughs> and three weird cure mechanics. It's like, <laughs> hell yeah, that sounds great. Um, they have another one called close encounters where you get again, new locations, but you also get aliens Ooh. fucking aliens in there yeah yeah 34 new illnesses total with that though they're all the time putting out new types of illnesses which i'm sure two-point hospital fans are just crazy for new illnesses uh they got one they got an island theme expansion and, and that bigfoot one i told you about so i mean like how's that not great like i i gotta play that i guess gotta see what two-point hospital with bigfoot involved is like yeah that sounds am- do, do you think that it's Bigfoot is roaming through your hospital and you have to like work around him. I like, gotta make sure you're 
you're doing surgery in an area where he's not going to wander in and accidentally contaminate stuff? Or is it people are getting mauled by Bigfoot and your doctors are having to figure out how to operate on this new type of like, how do we suture a Bigfoot wound? I don't know. Yeah, that sounds like the uh, what was the name of the the surgery simulator I played uh, before? Um, trauma center. Try that. That sounds like a trauma yeah. center concept. But they they do have they explain it here. That okay, it says uh, for the Bigfoot expansion of Two Point Hospital, it says local celebrity Yeti Bartholomew F Yeti, the otherwise reclusive <laughs> furball, has been petitioning for better health care in the Pointy Mountains home of the most frequently forgotten people in all of Two Point County. Mr. Yeti will need your help curing illnesses such as cold shoulder, barred flu, and aurora snorialis. <laughs> That's better than even my wildest expectations for what that expansion would be. Like I, I can't buy this fast enough, to be honest with you. So I am ex- I'm legitimately excited about it. That's awesome. I hope you pick it up and we can chat about it more because I don't think it's something that yeah. I would grab, but I'm very interested to hear what comes <laughs> out of it. Uh, exactly. So I got a couple that I'm looking forward to here. The big one for me, and I'm sure I'm going to pronounce this wrong, is Maquette? Maquette? I'm assuming it's Maquette. It's a, it's like a perspective. I thought it was Maquette. Ma- ma- oh, like Machete. Yeah, I was thinking it was like it's a, Dan- a Danny Trejo game. I, you could be right. I'm not here to pretend like I can read any language other than English. But <laughs> it's a perspective-based, like, uh, plat- well, not platformer, puzzle game, I guess. The idea is that you manipulate objects on a small scale to make the same change happen on a big scale. So best way I can describe it is, like, imagine that you're looking... You go up to the attic, you see your dad's train set. He's got all set up. He's playing with his trains. <laughs> your dad does this. Your, is this a real thing your dad does? No, my dad's more of a Civil War kind of guy. But ah. harder, he doesn't have figures for the battle, so we're going to say he's a train guy. He, you know, Minnesota, very involved <laughs> in the Civil War. I could see why he would have that just running through him. Yeah. yeah it's missed opportunity. He's like, God, if I had just been born a, <laughs> a couple of dozen decades earlier, I tell you. In 72 hundred miles further east <laughs> yes um so imagine you're looking at that train set or you know a christmas town whatever some small scale thing in front of you and you you pick up a train off that set and you move it to another location but then in real life outside your actual house a big train gets dropped so the idea is you're like going inside of these spaces that like expand you can move objects around to allow you to get to new places and do different things and solve puzzles at the larger perspective and so Hmm. it just it just messes with your head and your perspective a lot like that this is an annapurna published game which i'm always excited for honestly i feel bad i don't even know the developers i just know annapurna is publishing it and that is enough for me to agree that it will be something cool but it is developed by Graceful Decay, which is how I would like to age and be and be remembered as I die. He de- he decayed gracefully. wasn't too bad, they would say. That sounds like a Grateful Dead cover band. <laughs> it does. It does. Yes. But and, and it says proudly presenting their debut game. So this is their first outing. Oh, awesome! Uh, but it it looks really cool. It's one of those games where if you look up a trailer for it. It's immediately very striking and very cool, very unique. And I was excited to learn in the state of play that just happened not long ago that I think it was in state of play. Uh, But but it's going to be 
a March PlayStation Plus game, so I'm getting it for free. I was already planning on buying it, and um, it's it's coming to me at no additional charge. You love to see it. You love to see it. You definitely do. Nice. So, and that's I mean, it's not just coming to. Uh, it's going to be on all the stuff, right? No, it's going to be on uh, PS4, PS5, and and Windows. Yeah, I assume that there's a Steam version, and long-term, probably an Xbox version will come out, too. I don't know if they've scooped up some sort of exclusivity window or something, but it's not a console exclusive or being marketed that way, as far as I know. Okay, I don't I don't have a pronunciation for you, but the the word, uh, we'll, we'll agree on maquette, yeah. is a French word meaning scale model. So it, it actually does make a lot of sense based on what we're seeing there. So very good. There we go. So yeah, that's the one I'm most excited for. I'll definitely, usually we, we kind of lie to you. We, we talk about these games we're excited for, and then most of the time we don't end up playing them. We just play old Game Boy uh, Color games. But this is yeah. one that I can confidently say I will be playing and will almost certainly chat more about next episode. And th- yeah, I mean, I, you know, I get excited for games all the time that are have been out for 40 years and don't own them still. <laughs> so, I mean, it shouldn't be a surprise. Yeah, not at all. Uh, but speaking of games that have already come out that I'm excited for, my last one is Yakuza Like a Dragon. So I really mm-hmm. wanted to play this one when it first launched because I already like the series a lot, and this one is sort of like a story a story soft reboot or just like a, a new storyline in the same um, environments and things. But it's a turn-based RPG at the same time. And so... Uh, those are two things that I love a lot. So obviously I was down to get it, but right when I was going to buy it was when the PS five was coming out. I was distracted with PS five stuff and Mm -hmm. I knew there was a native PS five version coming out and it just wasn't out yet. So rather than get it right away, I waited on it. And now that PS five version is finally launching here in early March. So as soon as I clear some space up for an RPG, this will be the first one that I that I buy and play. I'm still working through Dragon Quest and Bravely Default 2 just came out, but I think this is kind of the the top of the to-do list for RPGs that I don't own. So pretty pumped. Yeah, man. Gotta love those Yakuza games. And I'm, I'm like you, I'm interested to see how the RPG stuff pans out, but I trust them. Oh, yeah. I mean, all the best parts of uh, Yakuza are not really tied to the combat at all like it's all the side stuff it's the sense of humor it's the writing it's the weird situations mm-hmm. they put you in so that translates one to one and then i i would rather play a turn-based rpg than a beat-em-up so it seems like it's just going to be like a net step up for me really i really enjoyed the beat-em-up part of uh the yakuza zero oh, me too which is the only one that i've played but i liked it a lot even though it was, it was really simple and I think maybe that's a little bit why you prefer the challenge of an RPG type combat, but that to me was the best modernization of a beat 'em up recipe I'd seen. Oh yeah, I'd agree with that. It was so fun. Yeah, just grabbing, you know, just oh, so good. It, it reminded me a lot of uh, Sleeping Dogs too. It felt, that felt like a precursor to that. So I don't know if you played that or not, but um, Mm-mm. good stuff. Good stuff. All right. Well, let's. Uh, you know, I got. I got two. I got two supple butt cheeks here. They're not doing anything. I might as well put them in the hot seat, eh? I think so. I'd like to say I have a theme, but I don't this time. So shit, we are okay. going in the hot seat, and my first question is heat related. So we'll we'll call that a transition. We'll call that a segue. I'll allow it. So I gotta ask you, if you could swap the lava in a volcano with any other substance, mm-hmm. what substance would you pick? Mara. Nara. I love marinara. 
and just having just a big plume of hot marinara <laughs> all the time. And I could just, you know, it's all it's dangerous to live near a volcano. But if you live near a, a marinara volcano, you just hang out outside with your mozzarella sticks, just waiting for the day. You know, <laughs> just dip them as it as it rolls by, man. And it's all it's already usually hot as lava, so I mean it's perfect. And most people probably wouldn't even know right away because it looks pretty similar. Yeah, I like it. Hell yeah, man. Yeah. All right. So number two, then we've been doing kind of like a, I don't want to call it a spring cleaning because it's more intense than that. But in our house, we've really been going hard at like getting rid of stuff, cleaning stuff out, donating all kinds of stuff. Like we have sent seven or eight boxes to be donated. We've filled our trash can twice with stuff we don't want anymore. Like we're really trying to reduce our, uh, our footprint just because we, we don't want to keep so much. We, we like games and Leah likes knitting so she likes yarn and we want our house to mostly just be games and yarn with nothing else inside I was going to say like I'm looking behind you right now I'm like you didn't <laughs> take anything out of that room no this room is staying as is that's kind of the <laughs> point <laughs> but it, it's felt really good like it the, the before and after in some of our rooms have been pretty pretty wild making hard cuts and getting rid of stuff so I gotta ask you what's the dirtiest most cluttered room in your house that could really use a pass for some spring cleaning we have a room that we call the ralph room <laughs> and and ralph ralph is the name of my really flabby cat he, he used to be really fat but then we had to put him on a diet so now he just has that like you know like your nana's bicep flab you know what yep. i mean yep like when you when you high five her her arm doesn't stop moving for a couple minutes yep that's my cat but anyway that's beside the point but we have a room and, and it, it's it's not a it's not suitable for a bedroom because it doesn't have like a fire escape right there's no windows or anything in it so we don't use it for that we use it basically to store stuff so we have have a few old TVs in there we have bins of you know all of you know, this is where all our holiday decorations <laughs> get piled up and every vacuum cleaner that stops working or anything that we have to eventually some electronics that you can't put in the trash goes in that room to store until we get a chance and it just ends up being that temporary storage space for later plans that just don't happen as quickly as you'd think so ralph's it's also ralph's room because that's where his litter box is so ralph's room is um in always in dire need of a little freshening <laughs> we have that exact same room it we call it the cat room <laughs> it's so much the cat's room that i cut a hole in the bottom of the door so we can keep the same. door shut and they can just go in through the hole exactly it's, yeah, it's yeah, literally yeah. piled up with old tube tvs that don't work anymore furniture yep, and yep. stuff uh, so we bought our house from my parents when my parents retired so it's my childhood house and really yeah and my and my parents were before they decided to sell to us that was not like always the intention they were in the process of doing the like the cheapest version of home repairs that you can do to like make it a little more sellable a little more presentable so you know you put up the cheapest trim you can you paint right. with the cheapest paint you can like clear the blemishes without costing too much and they were halfway through that room when they decided to sell to us and my dad just hard stopped <laughs> and so it has like some of the drop ceiling tiles are missing and the lighting fixtures not installed there's no trim it's just pure concrete because he never bothered putting down flooring again it's half nice. insulated like it's just it's a mess it's like one of those rooms you walk into when you're playing The Last of Us, and you're like, what was this even for? What these people used to do in here? <laughs> yeah, there you go. exactly. So uh, we actually did clean that. It needs another pass, but it feels good. You know, take a look at your it. Ralph rooms. 
it's my recommendation sure. to everyone. Okay, great. So then let me ask you, if your belly button started leaking the same substance that mm. came out of that volcano, so marinara sauce, sure. you know, how are you going to make the best of that situation? I mean, we're just we're just making mozzarella sticks all day. Get maybe even getting a little pepperoni bread. There's an Amish community nearby. They do a lot of bake sales. They have the best pepperoni bread. Just get it, dip it. You know, it might be a little gross that I'm secreting it. Sure, because <laughs> how, why? I didn't eat a bunch of marinara and then it just came back out again. It's just coming out. So I mean, it's just kind of magic. But as long as it tastes like marinara, nobody has to know. Maybe I'm bottling it too on the side. Yeah. Getting my uh, getting my Etsy store up and going. So keep an eye out. <laughs> you probably got to get the FDA or someone involved at that point. But nah. uh, honestly, you probably should just keep a fanny pack on at all times that you fill with <laughs> <laughs> mozzarella sticks and tater tots and stuff. And it'll just it'll yeah. naturally dribble down into the fanny pack. And then you're in Dude, the middle I of a Zoom it. call at work. And you just take a big scoop of <laughs> fanny pack mozzarella stick. And there you go. Yeah. Hell Genius. yeah. Yes. All right, so would you rather... We could at least sell the fanny packs on Etsy. Come on. (laughs) You'd sell them to the same guy with the foot fetish, probably. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, would you rather drink pickle juice or the water you boiled hot dogs in after it's cooled down to room temperature? Oh, it's pickle juice all day. I'll drink drink room temperature pickle juice. You're not a pickle man? No, maybe that question is a lot harder to me as someone who doesn't like pickles or (laughs) juice, but... Oh man! Now I, do, I wouldn't go anywhere near room temperature hot dog water. I honestly but, think I uh, picked the HDW, but uh, all right. But I tell you what, though, I might I might dip a pickle in the hot dog water and try it <laughs> just for you. That's as far as I'd go. I respect it. All right, and I don't know why I have two belly button questions, but I do. I had belly buttons on the brain. <laughs> Interesting. But I have to ask: if you had to <laughs> swap one. Would you rather swap the location of your belly button with your nose or with your mouth? Oh, interesting. Oh, man. I feel like if I swapped with my mouth, I could be like Krang from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and that'd be pretty sweet. I could just boss around everybody <laughs> through my shirt. I mean, you'd have that'd to wear great. a crop top all the time so that people could hear you. True. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I think. I think I would... I think most people might put them in, put their. I don't know if my. I want my nose down there though. That's the thing. That's that's where the smells, you know, originate. <laughs> that's the odor roughly. zone, baby. <laughs> yeah, roughly thereabouts. <laughs> so I mean, you know, the mouth. Let's let's move the mouth down there. What's going to look weirder is just having a belly button under your nose. Let's be honest. That's strange. <laughs> that's that's going to look. That's going to look bizarre. More so than I think a mouth on your belly. Uh, the strangely, I think that the belly button would make like visually people would get used to seeing the belly button as a nose or as a mouth yeah just a head button because if it's if you replace your mouth with a belly button you just look like the guy from the warheads packaging like you're just (laughs) puckering all the time that is a good point but if it's on where your nose is you know people just think yeah you know he he lost his nose in some situation where people lose their nose i don't know (laughs) true and also sneezing would be awkward but we'd, we'd get over it yeah You'd make it. All right, so so then I got one last question for you, but it's not such a hot seat question. Oh, great. What have you been playing recently? Oh, I'm glad you asked. Oh. 1996 has been quite something. You know, back in my day, now I won't, I won't divulge into war talk, but it's been, you know, I'll say this about 1996. When I, The first half of the month 
was very exciting because it was an exploration. What's there that I missed? What's in here? What didn't I play? You know, there, there's Quake, there's Diablo. Okay, I, did, I didn't play those. Let's let's dig in on those and let's find some adjacent stuff. And that was great for the first two weeks. It was like a new thing. But honestly, and we talked about this last time, it's a scant year for video games. It's very top heavy. There's like five and then there's like nothing. <laughs> so a- a- after I got through like the A tier and the B tier, there wasn't much after that. So the last couple of weeks have actually been a little more, or I rather a little less fun in terms of gaming because there was nothing else new there. I just kept revisiting Quake. I would dabble in some things, but nothing really stuck. And a lot of it's just like, okay, there's another sports game. It's all right. <laughs> and so a lot of the experience for the last half was not being in 1996 so much as just not being in the present or not being anywhere else. It was a more of a, a, a void than a, a newfound, you know, a rabbit hole to go into. So over the last couple of weeks, the game that I've been most invested in, I really haven't put a lot of time in, is just Quake. And hmm. it has there's four realms with a with a number of chapters. I made it to the fourth realm. The difficulty's pick, picking up. I'm not great at the game, but I do like it because it is it's high octane, fast pace, you know, doom esque. I mean, it's everything that I love about games from that era. But um, I didn't make it very far in anything else. I you know picked up Diablo for a little bit. I've already played you know Mario, Tomb Raider, Resident Evil, all of those big mainstays. So I didn't really have a lot else to get hooked on, unfortunately. So I think. You know, with uh, this being, we're recording this here on the last day of 1996, and I didn't play a single 1996 game today or yesterday. <laughs> it's kind of kept me out of games, which is fine. I got to do all kinds of other cool 1996 stuff. Uh, but I am looking forward to getting back into the present. I'm excited to pick up Ghost of Tsushima again. I had started that, so that'll be something I'll be playing very soon. And uh, I've been hankering for a turn-based RPG, and I've been staring down that Breath of Fire series I've had on my shelf for a while. Mm. I might dabble. People say, don't play the first one, man. It's rough. Jump to the second one. So I might I might put an hour into the first one, get what they're talking about, and then, and then go for the second one. So we'll see how it works out. But yeah, I think if I had to summarize gaming for the last two weeks for me, my playing now, aside from a few beats that are coming later, it's been a struggle. Interesting. You know, fascinating that you ran out of stuff halfway through a month for mm-hmm. what other people all had to fill a year with. Exactly. Uh, yeah. Now, to be fair, I did restrict myself from playing anything pre-1996, which I'm sure other people yeah. in 1996 played their 95, 94 games, etc. But yeah, if you were just getting into gaming in 96 and you're like, I want the hottest and newest, you were uh, you're doing all right honestly, but it was pretty slim. I think the experience of mostly just spending all your time playing Quake is actually pretty accurate to a lot of people's experience in 1996. So That's actually a really good point. Yeah, if I had a LAN hookup and like three or four other friends that like to smoke weed, listen to Tool and Wear Flannel, we could all just (laughs) hook up all of our giant desktop presarios in our Ralph room, it'd be great. But I didn't have that. It was just me. Hmm. Well, <laughs> just me doing it. I'll be excited to hear your reactions to starting up some some modern stuff again here soon. Now, you say you're in the mood for mm. an RPG. Have you played Dragon Quest Eleven? I have not played Eleven. I do love Dragon Quest, though. I'm a huge fan of 
well, I don't say I'm a huge fan. I've only played a couple, but I've loved what I've played. I like the I like the style. I I keep coming back to it. So, I mean, I've talked about it in previous episodes. I set this thing down for two years. I came back to it, and I keep putting two three hours in and then i let it sit for a week and a half and then i put two three more Mm -hmm. hours in and Mm -hmm. it's not because the game like isn't fun i'm actually really enjoying it it's just i mean it's a long game i'm 70 hours in right now and i mean i can kind of see what i think is the ending off in the distance but it's not like i'm gonna beat it the next time i play or anything and so I think it it being so long just kind of has me like really dragging my feet, taking my time. Mm-hmm. And I always play it while I'm listening to podcasts or, you know, I have someone stream up and I'm like grinding on the side. It's very much a relaxing while doing something else type of game for me. But if that's what you're looking for, I mean, it is really good. And if you already like Dragon Quest, you you can get a lot of rpg joy for probably not a lot of money at this point if you were willing to pick that one up great yeah i also just recently grabbed seven on the ps1 which is uh, another that folks point to but again all i don't think any of them uh any of the ones that were that were numbered i guess five and above are less than 100 hours they're super duper long games (laughs) no they they really are i've heard seven might even be the longest one so you you set yourself up for success there yeah, oops. I've played a couple other things too. One is on stream, I was playing some original Xbox stuff. I was playing through and I finished a game that we'll talk about down in the beats. And I just kind of had that like awkward uh, hour, hour and a half left in what I normally stream. So I needed to start something else up that wasn't going to be too story involved because you don't want to get through all the intro like story and setup for a game and then stop. I hate that. And so I picked up a game which I almost had. Uh, had played previously but just barely didn't because uh we did a poll in the stream basically I, I picked out four or five xbox games that i didn't know anything about but that i owned that were in the collection and i let people vote on which one i played and this was just barely second place so i was like all right we'll pop this one in because people still wanted to see it and it's knight's apprentice memorix adventures it sounds like it would be long <laughs> like that feels like a game that's just like it's 25 to 30 hours of you just trying to find a sword <laughs> it's it's more like if you've ever played maximo it's more like okay. a maximo game but with a, a fable coat of paint on top like hmm. things look and sound a little more like a fable game but it plays you know it's a 3d platformer like action hack and slash type game okay i don't know if that i don't know if I, how i feel about that right now <laughs> it's it's actually pretty good like i'm not gonna sit here and sell you that this is like competing with halo for the best game on the original xbox it is surprisingly cool and has really good music and i think i'm gonna go the whole way through it's it it really did that thing that just like you put something random in completely catches you by surprise and you're like so pleasantly surprised that you're like i i gotta i gotta see my way through this thing nice it's been it's been real good knight's adventure memorick's what? Knight's Apprentice, Memories Adventure. This is also one of those games where I don't want to be speculating too much, but it feels like this game is one Hidden Gems video away from quadrupling in price. Because it's like a $10 <laughs> game that nobody ever talks about, and it's a platformer, and I'm pretty sure it's an Xbox exclusive. 
and mm-hmm. isn't like uh, on the modern backwards compatibility lists or anything. So it's like if you if you want to play your retro original big bulky, put the Duke in your hands and play an original Xbox, that's how you can play this game, and that's the only way you can play this game. If it if it seems cool, and you're the type of person that wants to have your Fizz dish, it's probably probably buy it sooner rather than later because i would be worried for you if you waited two years yeah well we need to shout out our pal and friend musty hobbit who does the xboxer brief uh series xboxer brief series on youtube where he will highlight and review a game from the og xbox and what i'm finding interesting about this game that you're talking about after i finally figured out the name (laughs) uh it doesn't have a how long to beat entry at all, so I couldn't even look up to see if I was right about it just being 30 hours of you wandering around looking for a sword or not, so who knows? That's, <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Uh, also, it doesn't have a Wikipedia page, which is pretty rare for any game that came out on the, uh, on you know, from the, from the Xbox and PS2 on. Most of those games at least have something there, so that's interesting, too. So, Musty, if you're out there, you might be the one to put this game on the proverbial xbox map if you were to cover it and every review that i've seen here it gives it it's just a hard 5.7 there's no (laughs) 5.6s no one even felt like a 5.8 everyone was pretty much just nodding in agreement with a 5.7 so um which you know it's i I can have fun with the 5.7 i don't give a shit and if it's a 5.7 at the time you look back on things that aren't trying to be the new and hot game with a little more generosity I do, yeah. So, you know, round that, you know, round it because of its age up to maybe like a 7.1, and then you apply the I'm super generous on everything I play 15% bonus, and you get a solid 7.8. That's a good game. Hell yeah. Well, you love to see that. Yeah. It's only 10 bucks complete in box if you do want to get ahead of the game after Musty tackles it and sends it soaring through the roof with, you know, his good review of it, I'm sure. So uh, there you go. Yeah, good luck, uh, Musty, nice sending purchase. it into the stratosphere, buddy. And then the last thing I'm playing, as I'm always playing, is Eco. Uh, I We actually, the Team Eco Discord, so uh, people that speedrun Eco, Shadow of the Colossus, and The Last Guardian, because those three communities are already so small, they share one Discord channel to kind of talk amongst themselves, figure out strategies, mm-hmm. things like that. And that Discord had like an unofficial little community marathon, and part of that marathon, there was an eco race. And so I was playing this previous week to stay warmed up for that and then compete in the race. And your boy, he took first. Whoa, my <laughs> man. So you beat all of the other, like you beat, so they're eco nerds, so eco nerdy that they're in an eco nerd discord with other nerds that like to play eco and other eco associated titles. And you just waltzed in there and out eco nerded them. That is amazing. I did. Now, to be fair, not all the best runners were competing, but mm. we talked in the previous episode about my rival, Mars, from Germany. Right. Yes. He was in there and he I tried to have him killed. I guess it didn't work. No, and you probably should he's a nice guy. You probably should have rescinded that. But you know what? What's done is done. Once the, once you once <laughs> you pay the man dead, so. and he gives you that you know once I leave this room uh, there's no taking this back <laughs> exactly um, okay so he was I wonder who my guy killed then interesting <laughs> yeah it wasn't him he's still around he was in the race shit uh, but don't worry shit he came in second so we were able to we were able to pull it out felt good nice that's great that is great uh, so 
that's fun. So you're you're now getting a little more recognition around the community for your your hard work there with Eco. It's been fun to watch. Mm-hmm. What's the world record chase looking like for you? Are you still a solid third overall? Uh, I'm a fourth, in, okay. but second, third, and fourth are all clustered pretty close together. They're all within like 30 seconds of each other, and it's an hour and a half long game, so that's pretty mm-hmm pretty reasonable are you feeling like any day now though you could just you could pop up take two take number two. Oh yeah i think if i put a good run together it's pretty realistic that i could be second place first place is a lot harder and would require me to spend a little more time like breaking down that run and figuring out exactly where i can save time mm-hmm. but who knows once i hit second place maybe i'll feel the motivation i'm not sure i'm still i'm still very much having fun at the game so i don't really plan on slowing down too much yet okay so. I guess one last question before we plug ourselves. When you see that first place, so now that you've been grinding at it, you've seen the slow climb uh, toward, you know, up through, I think you were at seventh a couple episodes ago. Now you've climbed. I think you were breaching third. You're at fourth now. You say two's within reach. Has that made being number one feel harder than it did before, or does it feel more in reach? Uh, It feels... I, I could, like intellectually understand how it might be possible but it still feels pretty far out of reach and and i think that's because the person who's currently in second place has for a long time been trying to see what they can do and break down and take that first place spot and they are still over a minute out so um that's why i say it would require really like tracking that video timing out all the different segments and be like okay from here to here, my fastest time in that section is three seconds slower than theirs. Like, what tiny little micro adjustments would I need to implement to to start shaving all that time down? But you know what? Could be fun. Well, good luck to you, my man. Yeah. Love pulling for you there. Yeah. All right. Well, let's plug ourselves again because it feels so good. Oh, yeah. God, I love it. It's one of my favorite things. <laughs> Uh, plug myself three or four times a day, but I'll only record it once here for Steve. If you like what you're hearing so far, be sure to check us out on our website, polymedianetwork.com. We have more shows. Maybe if you listen to this one so far and you don't like it, well, there's a good chance you could like one of these other ones. So pop over there on that website, check it out. We have the Network Hangout Show off kilter. We just get together and have fun. And hey, if you join our community, you could be a part of that. You never know. Uh, you can also find Drunk Friend there. We got interviews with other YouTube creators. That's where me and SNES Drunk good old alex we talked to all kinds of people we had retro alley on a couple episodes ago it was like uh as somebody said it was like uh like a, a young i don't know so, somebody telling two like really old men about pokemon which is was exactly <laughs> what that was but she she's basically a, the resident pokemon expert so i don't know why i said resident she doesn't live here she's she is a pokemon expert she was talking to us it was fun and then we also had pam on cannot be tamed and that's always a fun episode with pam so uh be sure to check out drunk friend also got Petey's Power Hour, hosted by our good friend Michelle. We're currently hot, deep, hard mm. into season two. Essentially, it's an episode, or it's a series all about basically combining alcohol with interesting trivia and someone that actually seems to understand what it means to be an entertaining podcast host. Yes, which is hard to do. I'm still trying to figure Someday. that out. Someday. Uh, yeah, we'll get there. Uh, please check out Tales of the Lesser Medium, too. If you want to hear a bad story, but maybe laugh a lot while doing that, you should check it out. It's me and this Caleb J. Ross. You might like it. You might not like him, but, you know, I got him under control on there. So it's, don't worry about him. He's, he's taken care of. He's funny on there. And we just published our Half-Life series a couple weeks ago. Please check that out. It's pretty fun. 
Caleb did an amazing job on it. His Gordon Freeman character is immediately legendary for that podcast. So please check it out and tell Caleb what a good job he did. And then, and then also tell Trav what a good job he did. He, he won't ask for it, but he needs the attaboy too. I gotta have it or I will I will cry. And then of course we also have Indie Quest, which is the other show on the network that I'm on, which is an exploration of all things indie games, building an interesting backlog of cool indie games for you to check out. So give that one a listen to. And once you've listened to it, hop on over to iTunes or wherever it is that you're listening to podcasts. You know you don't have to wait till you listen to Indie Quest. You can just go do this right now. You're already listening to a podcast. Hop mm-hmm. on over there, leave us a review, hopefully, you know. A pretty decently high number of stars, but more importantly than that, just tell us what you like about the show. Makes us feel good, and uh, it helps us out a lot. It does. It does. It uh, does something to the math they do over there at Apple. I don't know what their math's all yeah. about, but uh, you gotta you gotta click a star and write nice things before it uh, works. Um, we also have a Patreon, so you can visit patreon.com forward slash polykill. Find a tier that works for you there. We get all kinds of cool stuff. You can join the Discord. You can influence the show. You can have your own suggestions. You, hell, you could even have your own show. I don't give a shit anymore. Just, just, <laughs> just, just check it out. That's all I'm asking. Uh, and uh, you can get early access to stuff like Nest Friends and things like that. So, pop over there, see what you think. Honestly, when you join the Patreon, you get access to what is unofficially another show, which is the Discord chats for Patreon mm-hmm. members, which are just really interesting interviews between basically two random people. You'll come in, you won't know who any of these people are, and you just get to kind of simultaneously learn about two people's lives, and they are fascinating. Heck yeah. It was a good idea. I've had three good ideas in my life, and uh, all three of them were uh, were Discord chats. <laughs> well, one of them was a fanny pack filled with mozzarella sticks. Oh, no, that was my <laughs> idea. Never mind. Yeah, I can't take credit for that at all. <laughs> and finally, if you want to reach out to the show, if you want to send us a note, you know, maybe suggest a topic of discussion, a top five, whatever it might be, you can send us an email at polykillpodcast at gmail.com. And if it's not mean, it'll almost certainly get read on the show. Almost certainly. Yeah, hell, at this point, even if it is mean, <laughs> probably still read it. I'll be honest with you. Okay, so uh, that does it. We've plugged ourselves. Let's Let's talk about the credits. Let's get down to the credits, the games that we beat. Now, despite it being 1996, and uh, I complained a little bit earlier about, yeah, you know, I did this to myself. It's a giant dearth of games on the on the video game, uh, you know, timeline. It's a huge low point, really, uh, in terms of like uh, above average games in quantity. There's some good stuff, but it drops off quick. I still managed to get a few beats. I played one game that I know you're a fan of mm. because I did watch your stream. I watched your top ten. Uh, 1996 game stream, and I thought it was interesting because you, you obviously you don't make any bones about it. A lot of your your choices are based on nostalgia. You're not looking at a lot of other metrics other than like what these games personally mean to mm-hmm. you. So I thought, what is you know what's Steve thinking with his Sonic 3D Blast? Because <sighs> I remember borrowing it when I was in elementary school from another dude, and I, I traded him some other game that I really liked for like a week, and I just could not jive with this game. And I was like, oh, it looked cool. Don't get me wrong, it looked really cool. But maybe my brain just couldn't process the isometric 3D-ness <laughs> at the time. It, maybe it was just too sophisticated for my NES brain uh, when I first got my Sega Genesis. So uh, we, we played that. And, you know, what's impressive about that game is that visually it still holds up. I was still very impressed mm. by how, how good it looks. I mean, again, it's doing a lot of trickery with checkerboarding, and it has the isometric um, viewpoint, which isn't you know, by any stretch of the imagination, new at that time. But it does look good on the Genesis with the shiny graphics. It has the digitized pixels. It's Sonic. But it's, I think my issue with that game 
is that it's not fast. I really like Sonic to just be bit bop boop zoop zoop zoom. Mm. And in that game, it's like, all right, uh, I gotta get real. I gotta get. I gotta be real careful around this guy because, uh, nope, he fucking hit me. Now all my rings are gone. And then your rings don't bounce around forever like they do in the other Sonic games. Where you can, if you lose ninety nine rings, you can still maybe get thirty of them back. You're lucky if you get one ring back. So <laughs> little ticky tack things like that. That was like, oh, it kept me doing that. But I managed to get through it. I have a new respect for it. I like it more than I used to. Uh, for sure. It's really good. But it does have some frustrations, yeah. Yes, it is pretty high on my 96 list. We'll get to our, our 96 games here in a bit. But uh, a big part of it, I think, is you said it's a good-looking game. And when I played it at the time, I would have been, what, six years old or something like that. That goes a long way. Uh, when I sure. heard Sonic in a game is really impressive visually. It's doing an isometric thing. Probably the first isometric game I ever really played it it just really stuck out to me. And then I remember also the idea of like going around and collecting the different birds and things in the different level. I just remember it being fun to control and run around the different environments too. So I, I, just a Sonic game that I feel like deserves a little bit more love than it actually, than it actually gets from people. I feel like this is like people think of Sonic in two categories, the, the like four of them that they really love that they always wish that, the new ones could be and then the like 30 that they want to make youtube videos about with thumbnails where their jaw is hitting the floor (laughs) and 3d blast doesn't fit into either of those categories so it just gets lost to time that's a good point that's a really good point i don't think it's a bad sonic game yeah i think it's interesting i think i don't think it had to be a sonic game is the thing like because you don't do a lot of sonic stuff no probably not I'm glad that you enjoyed it. While we're talking 96ers here, I played one that you mentioned on the last episode. I went through the old Pilot Wings 64. And I guess you loved it. Don't tell me any different. I'll be heartbroken. You loved it. I did. I thought it was really good. Oh, good. So I already knew that the music was going to be amazing. Top notch. You know, well, we're we're not too far out from the plugs. There's somewhere where people can maybe hear more about the music in Pilot Wing 64. Is there anywhere that they could do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to check out that Drunk Friend episode with Dan Hess. He was the composer. That's uh, that's gonna be. Uh, I'm gonna Google it here because I don't remember my <laughs> own numbers. That's gonna be. That's gonna be episode 36 there for you, friends. You can check it out. Yeah, good one. So 36. But friend, so yeah. music is incredible, and I don't. Pilot Wings is a lot of fun. I my like experience with pilot wings is playing the super nintendo one on an emulator back in college i think and i i was playing it just to beat it because i owned it and i basically just like burned through it so fast that i didn't really process or remember any of it so i actually had to go check if i had beaten that game before and turns out i have but i essentially remember none of it wow interesting and then not long ago i played the 3ds one and i really really liked the 3ds one uh, and so this was kind of getting compared to the 3DS one more in my head as I was going through it. And I think that 64 falls short of that one a little bit, which makes sense. I mean, it came out 20 years earlier, but it, yeah. it, it, it it's actually a lot of fun and like surprisingly technically impressive. Like if I had played that as a Nintendo 64 launch game, it wouldn't have wowed me in the same way Mario 64 had, but I would have been like, all right, yeah, look what this system can do. Yes, exactly. And if it wasn't for, you know, well, I'll, I'll just say this. Like, I, I'm sure in, if I had had the game, because I, I my, my friend had it, so I didn't get to play a ton of it. I got to dabble with it. So I was familiar with it, and I played it a little bit. But I'm sure I would have, at that age, which was like 11, skirted those missions entirely 
Yeah. And just tried to see how far out I could fly. Like, can I find my house? Is my house in this game? Because it it gives you that idea, like, off the bat. I mean, I know it's an island, but it's like, I can really go anywhere. Yep. Like, it feels open world. I mean, there's missions. You got to fly through hoops and shit. But it's like, you don't have to. You can fail the mission and just fly around, whatever you want to do. And uh, I think that that's something that was new and different for, certainly for a console game at that point that I can think of. So um, it has that going for it. But yeah, the the only missions that really annoyed me, and I want to get your opinion on these two, where you had to land uh, the the rocket ship guy on the little targets in the air. Oh, those didn't those didn't bug me at all. You weren't I, really. Those were totally fine to me. The only ones that really bothered me were basically honestly the only one that really annoyed me was the last mission where you're having to shoot like that giant mecha robot i don't know if you reached that point but uh oh yeah he's in the water the guy in the water yeah because i would i would spend 20 30 seconds circling around to shoot him and then he would just Mm -hmm. swim under me and i'd have to do it again so um, right right i should have watched you do the landing on the targets thing because that drove me insane i kept overshooting them or you know whatever and then there was one there's one in the cave where i kept i kept getting stuck in the cave and the game would kind of glitch out because I was bumping my head on the roof and I don't think that they programmed in a head hit roof <laughs> response. And so it was just, it would like, you know, glitch out and the screen would go crazy. But, um, but yes, other than that, for a launch title that was rushed and it's completely flying in 3d space, mm-hmm. uh, pretty dang good. Pretty dang good game. Yeah, really is it. I like the pilot wings games because they're simultaneously, like relaxing, easy games to just kind of like chill out, fly around, mess around with. And then also weirdly difficult, like super Meat Boy-ish level of difficulty. (laughs) Uh, And it just kind of like fluctuates ping pongs between both of those, or sometimes it's both of them. It's a really, it's, I don't think there's much else design-wise that kind of hits the same notes. So cool games. I'd like to see another one. I I also like the way that the mission structures work where, it gives you three things that three uh, events, and if you do one, and you don't, you like you you get to kind of take or leave the the points that you get. It's like, do you want to retry it? Get try to get more points. Or you want to move on. You're like, let's try the let's try the next one. You try that one. Maybe you get a few more points, and you're like, you can either retry it or do the next one. But it like it doesn't let you, like you can redo, do the next yep. one, do whatever. It kind of lets you decide. It doesn't lock you into like a bad trial which I really appreciated about it. It's like, yeah, I might redo that, see if I can do a little bit better, rather than just being frustrated that, okay, now I have to play these other two and be stuck with this bad score and then have to do all three over again. Like, I really liked how it respected my time. Yeah, I'd agree with that 100%. If if you had to play all of the missions back to back to back and could only restart from the beginning, it would be a, a way more frustrating game, and I wouldn't have liked it nearly as much. 100% agree with you there, yeah. Uh, speaking of the N64... We're not done with it here, folks. I also played Wave Race, which was also, uh, obviously, a 1996 release. Came out at the tail end of the year. And that's one, again, that's another one I dabbled with. Very familiar with it, obviously. It's one of the, you know, if you walk into a game store and someone just vomits up old retro games on the floor, (laughs) one of them is going to be a Wave Wave Race 64, right? Uh, And I think that's honestly why I haven't played much of it. It's just so ubiquitous. I just felt like I knew too much about it. I'm like, yeah, 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 ride around on a jet ski. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, But playing it, I didn't realize, one, how cool that game was and like how easy to control that jet ski is in the water because mm-hmm. i think when i dabbled with it i was just bouncing off waves and landing in the audience <laughs> and killing half the crowd but when i really hunkered down with it uh i really had a lot of fun with it actually i got real addicted to it so i played i played through the uh the normal setting which is super easy just i don't think i 
finished less than 30 seconds ahead of the number two spot the whole time. It was like, I was like, oh, God, that was, all right, let's see if we can bump it up a little bit. So then I moved it up to hard, which was almost too hard. So like it, it added like a track and then every, all the AI was really good and the waves were harder, but I was, I stuck to it. And uh, I was also listening to a playlist that our friend uh, Jeffrey made, Jeffrey from the discord made for me. It was a 1996 hip hop playlist. And so for about two hours, two and a half hours, I'm just listening to that playlist, which has, you know, classic Tupac. It's got Redman on there, Ghostface mm. Killer. You got Jay-Z, Fugees. I got Genuine's <laughs> Pony on there. And I'm actually like up playing Wave Race, pretending I'm riding a jet ski and riding a pony at the same time, like having a ton of fun, just throwing my back out. Uh, good old Outcast. So forever till the day I die, I will associate Wave Race 64 with about 25 of 1996's hottest hip hop beats, and uh, I'm pr- I'm pretty happy about that. I think that's I think that's a good way to go. That is an amazing association that you've built for yourself, and you should do nothing <laughs> yeah. to compromise it. Uh, uh, so I also played through Overcooked. I played through this one with Leah. We did a co-op. We got the platinum trophy in Overcooked two, and we were jonesing for more, so we popped in the first one. Not too much to say on it that I haven't already said about Overcooked two. It's uh, Overcooked is a very fun co-op game. And uh, if you're going to play either of them, just play Overcooked 2. It does the thing where the sequel just kind of obsoletes the first one. The sequel is everything that the first one is, but more and better and smoother. So now we got three, three boys here. We got three in a row. (laughs) Okay. I got three games. I don't know if you've heard of any of these games, and I'm going to let you pick what one you want to hear about first. And I'm I'm not, not making any of these up. I beat Revenge of the Bird King. Torque prehistoric punk and lizard lady versus the cats. What the hell? These are real video games. Those are all video games that you can own, play, and beat. I mean, that seems apparent now. I guess I, I want to take them in the order of, uh, you know, least interesting to most interesting, (laughs) but I can't. They're all they're all equally (laughs) bizarre. Ah, uh, shit. All right. Well, let's start with Revenge of the Bird King then, because I, I don't even know why, but tell me about it. Fair. Okay. So this game, its claim to fame is often being on sale for like 10 cents on the Switch eShop. And then the Fizz Dish is a $100 game on eBay. Okay. And I think the story behind this is that the developer... Uh, he works for limited run games. He's not one of the, he's not like one of the two main guys that you would know, but he works for limited run. Uh, but he didn't release his game through limited run as far as I know. Uh, but he, he printed up his own physical copies, probably using their connections and like some of their supply chain and stuff. So when limited run did one of their pop-up shops before the pandemic, he basically like hid copies in there that you could find and buy as far as I know. So it became this like real desirable game because it had kind of never been officially released. And then just the other day, he he made a tweet and said like, hey, on my website, and his website is so basic. It's like basically a GeoCity site. He said, I'm going to put up some copies for sale through my website. And I caught the tweet and I was there at the right time. So I was like, you know what? I'll get this game has such an interesting story. I'll pick up a copy of it. It's either going to be cool enough where I'll be happy to have one or worst case scenario, I'll just sell it for $70 more than I bought it for. And it'll have been a a Mm -hmm. net positive experiment anyways. 
So go. I got it and I popped it in and I don't know, it's it is okay. It feels <laughs> all right. It feels like uh it's basically imagine like besides it, it's very NES themed. Like everything it looks like it was made in like one of those NES makers that are out now. Yeah. I'm looking at the screenshots now, and I'm feeling pretty jazzed about it. <laughs> it's a side-scroller, you know, feels a lot like a Mega Man game or something like that in the individual levels. Mm-hmm. And then it has an overworld that is very similar to uh, Zelda 2, Adventures of Link. Like, down to the down mm. to the point of you running around and little, like, black representations of enemies moving on tiles around you uh, randomly. Okay. Um, All right. It's like main hook is that you plant gun seeds that grow gun flowers in front of you and then you pluck a gun out of the gun flower and you shoot that that gun and then you get as you beat different bosses you get different seeds that let you plant different like specialized guns every boss has a weakness to another gun uh all that type of stuff holy shit i feel like we we talked about gun lettuce in an episode of tales of the lesser medium (laughs) And I thought we were completely having our own idea there, but there's a whole the video game about gun seeds. <laughs> oh, man. I'm never first to anything. I've never had a good idea. Plagiarism. This is not one of your three good uh, ideas. <laughs> not not at no. all. But uh, it was fun. It was, I don't know, it was. It didn't blow my socks off or anything, but as far as just like a comfy NES-ish style platformer, I went through, you know, had a couple of... Three, four fun hours, a couple of real frustrating parts, but by and large, it goes down smooth, and it's just, I don't know, it's it's not worth $100, but it's worth more than $0.09 cents on the eShop, so if you see it on sale, pick it up. It's pretty cool. Yeah, looking at screenshots and just seeing this squatty bald eagle with a giant revolver is hilarious <laughs> to me. I do love a game that's just bizarre like that, so... Very cool. Yeah, very tongue-in-cheek. It does not take itself seriously at all, and you can really tell, like... The script was written by one self-aware person that knows that the internet will be playing this game. Like, it is... <laughs> it knows what it's doing. Hell yeah. Well, do do another one here. Let's hear about... Um, shit. I don't know which one to pick now. I guess let's listen to Torque, the prehistoric punk. Because um, <laughs> I, I just imagine it's a, it's a caveman with a mohawk. Am I close? Uh, it's a caveman. Doesn't have a mohawk, though. Uh, so this is the most normal of the three games. This is another Xbox exclusive platformer that I played. Um, so I mentioned before that I let the chat vote on what I was going to play next, but I limited it to an original Xbox game because as you and I have discussed, one of my uh, New Year's resolutions, my goals for this year is to beat one game on every system that I own. And so I was I was ready to do one of the original Xbox games and that's how the vote came about and how we landed on Torque. So I've beaten Torque. I've got my original Xbox game down for the year. We're good to go there. It was a lot of fun. It's it it plays a lot like maybe kind of like a Crash Bandicoot. It's like a 3D platformer, but is like mostly on a track, like going A to B through a level. It's not like a Super Mario 64 where you're dropped in and can run anywhere. You you're 3D platforming, but you're you're really trying to get from one end of the level to the other end of the level, and. Mm-hmm. Plays really well, has like uh, interesting arcade scoring system. It's got some pretty tough bosses and pretty cool level design. And it's, I don't know, I was surprised. There's even like a Panzer Dragoon Orda section where you're flying on a pterodactyl shooting like caveman missiles at different enemies. It's 
No, no. What is a caveman missile? What is what is that made of? Well, what is that? Just, just it, is that just pterodactyl shit? What is that? I think it's just nondescript colored energy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay, sure. It's it's just video game stuff, man. Sometimes you just get video games. All right, all right. Well, Musty Hobbit needs to get on this one too. It's yeah. another OG Xbox one that I'm sure no one has heard of. Yeah, and I hate to drop the same uh, terminology twice in the same episode, but. It feels like it has hidden gem material written all over. It it's a really solid, like well controlling game. It's it's long. It's difficult. It's yeah. It's just cool. It's really. It, I would recommend it to anyone that is trying to build up an original Xbox library. It was a lot of fun. Folks, please join the Patreon so I can keep paying for litigations to fend off Metal Jesus's <laughs> lawyers because Steve keeps talking about hidden gems. Please, please consider it. But yeah, the sound, it looks it looks cute. Like I, the cover of that game makes me think that it's almost. I would think it's an adaptation of a Disney or Pixar film that I never saw. Oh, just by looking at the cover. So I would probably have stayed away from it. But now you're here telling me, hey, maybe it's worth a maybe it's worth a chance. Yeah, it's good. It, it, I think it came out in 2005 too. So mm-hmm. it's right at the tail end of the original Xbox. So if you squint your eyes, you'd believe that it was like a launch era 360 game. I heard you say that. I saw that you you or a you mentioned that you were impressed with how it looked, um, given that it was on the OG Xbox. So that's a good endorsement. Yeah, good stuff. Very cool. Okay, I'm going to squeak in here real quick with one more 1996 beat. Now, Steve, I don't even know. You're not a wrestling guy, right? I think maybe we brought it up earlier in some other form, but you're, you're, you never got into the kayfabe of pro wrestling, right? No, I mean, I was a child growing up in the attitude era so i had like a certain mm. awareness and passing interest in the rivalry between stone cold and the rock but sure. i never never like watched wrestling weekly or anything like that i think i owned smackdown on ps1 and that was about the extent of my wrestling experience you and everyone else yeah that makes yeah. sense there i did a blog every day almost every day i i tailed off toward the end because i stopped i just stopped not living i just stopped living in 2021 more than i was living in 1996 there for the last bit cuz i was i was a little burnt out of uh, things to to do i did a whole thing where i t- i had a whole wrestling entry because mm-hmm. wrestling was a big part of my life when i was 11 and 12 years old in that year and uh, it was also the year that hogan flipped and started the nwo and that's what really jump started wrestling as an industry you know it was not that it was really struggling too bad beforehand, but it really got popular right there with NWO. So anyway, nothing to do with NWO. Uh, a game that there were very few wrestling games that came out in 1996. I guess is my point. There were only three, and uh, if that tells you anything, because you, you recall the N64, uh, you could you could maybe say lousy with wrestling yeah. games. That console, it's got it's got several. <laughs> That's what people think of when they think of the N64. <laughs> Right, so that was the NWO is, is to thank for all of that that hoopla that, that spurned all that. So uh, in 1996, we were we didn't have much of that stuff. So we we did get WWF in your house, which amounts to just a wrestling game that is an, a fighting game, more or less. So it doesn't have the grapples and holds and stuff like you would get. It's not 3D isometric or anything like that, like you would get with a 64 game. Uh, I played this on the Saturn, but it's a very 2D arcadey Mortal Kombat style game, but uh, much more aggravating, <laughs> very difficult, but uh, I took the time to learn the moves, and I really wanted to see how far I could, how, how many miles I could get out of it, and it became personal. So you've you've all been there, where a game is not terrible, certainly imperfect, but interesting enough, 
and difficult enough to keep you engaged and keep you trying. Like the loop was short enough. I just kept doing it and doing it and doing it until I finally pulled it off. And what this game does is it it's way of increasing difficulty the further you get in. So you, you try to go for a belt. You're going for that World Wrestling mm. Federation belt. You got to have a belt. Your pants are sagging, I guess. Your singlet's baggy. You got to <laughs> get a belt. So we're trying to get our belt. The first couple matches are with against one guy. Easy. Beat the hell out of him. It's great. Next few matches, you're facing two guys at once. Well, that's tough. Now there's <laughs> that's not fair. It's not fair at all. It's not like how it should work. I mean, if they win, how many? There's only one belt. Who gets to yeah. wear it? You know. But then at the very end, you got to fight three guys. What? Three guys. A one-on-three match. No. It's insane. But get this: the final match to win the belt, the, the whole in your in your house event, you got to beat all of them <laughs> at once. <laughs> so you're so the way the game would work is. The game could only put three other guys in the ring with you, which is why I guess it maxed out on that, on the difficulty beforehand. So you would start out to be you against three other wrestlers. And then when you beat a wrestler down enough, he would roll out of the ring. But then because it's the Sega Saturn, when it was bringing in that next wrestler to fill that guy's spot, brief loading screen would <laughs> pop up. So you're in the middle of a wrestling match. You just entered a move. You're like, you know, you, you did your Hadouken or whatever. You know, you, you entered it in, and then a loading screen would pop up, and then it would go away, and you, your your move didn't count because, we, sorry, we had to load in. You run. So then you're like, you're getting your ass kicked. So I had to, like, strategically beat a guy up and go hide so the load would kick in and then go fight. It was such a pain in the ass, and uh, I don't know why. I was I guess I had made it that far. I'd spent, like, an hour and a half getting there, and there's no saving it. I've put the time in. Let's just fucking do it. And I finally pulled it off. I wouldn't recommend this game to a dog, but <laughs> I do. I do feel like I want a belt. I need a belt now. I put in the work. I am the in your house champion, so I did it. I feel pretty good about doing it. But I'd never do anything like it again. Proud of you. All that said, there was another game like a WWF the arcade game or WrestleMania the arcade game, also on the Saturn. Very similar game. Harder. I played like 10 minutes of it. It was like, not again. We're not doing this again. We're done. So I didn't even go very far with that one. But you know, uh, that was my experience. A lot of times you hear people talk about, and it's generally good advice. If you're not having fun with the game, just put it down. Just don't play it. Go play something you're having fun with. But every now and again, I think it's good to catch that stubborn streak like you did here and to push through just to be able to put like one foot on the corpse of the game that you just conquered <laughs> I and know. raise your arms high as someone clips that belt to you. It's it's a good feeling. But it's also hard to explain. I'm on this podcast and people be like, well, why'd you play if you didn't have fun? It's like, well, you know, I did, but I beat it. Like, but you didn't have fun. It's like, well, no, I had fun beating it yeah. for like, <laughs> like the, the 20 minute glow after I beat it was pretty great yeah <laughs> felt pretty good and there's like this weird comfort of knowing that i never have to beat it again like that <laughs> exactly. is a lifetime membership it, you are right about that and i that's a good a very good way to put it but also what the fuck else was i going to play <laughs> that's so true i'm not i'm not buried in good 1996 games around here so you know i i shouldn't turn most of uh, our listener base against me when, by saying this but i'm going to i feel guilty Everyone I know that is like roughly in my age bracket is just overwhelmingly nostalgic for Nintendo 64 or this era of wrestling games. Like everyone looks Mm -hmm. back on these so fondly and it is just like the complete, the biggest miss for me. Like I have, even at the time I didn't understand what people liked about them. Now I don't, I like, I just, my brain does not connect with whatever makes these games 
fun. So when you sit here and tell me that you didn't have fun and you beat it, I'm like, oh, yeah, that I understand. That I can connect with. <laughs> Isn't that weird? Yeah. But you know, you know what's very, what people liked most about those N64 wrestling games was the, uh, the character creator. Some of the most powerful oh. character creation at the time. You could just create anything you want. You could create a, a Juggalo <laughs> from Insane Clown Posse. You could make John Wayne Gacy. You could do anything you wanted. And that, the freedom of that, I think, was more fun than the game. I remember just creating people all day long. That may- <laughs> and never actually wrestling. That makes sense to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i'm speaking for myself that other people are like no 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 the wrestling was fun but no i didn't get that far i just created dudes 100 <laughs> percent, i'd believe it yeah all right let's tell, tell me about these lizard lady versus the cats already would uh, you jesus so you want to hear about 2021's game of the year then you want to hear about the best <laughs> game uh, i guess so yeah I guess. this is uh, the combination of someone's absolute fever dream and a unity tutorial on how to make a third person shooter. So imagine like literally the most basic third person shooter you can like, uh, like alpha for max Payne. like in, in, in <laughs> one day, a developer at one of these studios put something together just to start like boxing out roughly what the environments would be like. And like no functioning animations, no like real story no nothing just just the world's most base tutorial that it possibly could be and then skin it in this like bright horrid just like garish pixelated vivid greens and reds and yellows and then skin your character as a lizard and and call it good (laughs) i got this game call it good got this game on psn for 49 cents and it's about a 10-minute game to play through. It's five levels. And you just play as Lizard Lady. You're dropped into a level that is probably two or three rooms. And you shoot the cats. You shoot cats? You shoot, well, they're cat people. They're like they're like cat women, basically. And not that that's any better, I guess, but... It, it, <laughs> it's like, all oh, the women? It feels better to shoot someone that looks like a supervillain than, than an actual cat, but... Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I mean, levels are 30 seconds long. You do basically, there's no animations at all. Sometimes literally an unanimated character model will lunge towards you perfectly still. <laughs> but if they touch you, they deal damage. Wow. And, uh, what the hell? Yeah. You just, how are they able to charge money for that? I mean, this is truly evidence that the like certification process to get put on the PlayStation store has no, regard for the the quality of something and is like strictly making a base series of checks of like does the game crash to desktop no does do save files work yes and and no other judgment or value statements at all because um and, and i'm not i am not the type of person that like wants to dunk on games for the purpose of, of comedy but like i am being <laughs> absolutely sincere when i say that this this game could not possibly have been made as it is without someone knowing what they were putting out and intending it to be a janky bad game. It might be the next game I speedrun. Really? I mean, and you can maybe get that down to seven minutes if you're good. It's got to be a five-minute run. It's hilarious, and it's just it's just absolutely the dumbest thing I've done with my time. There's nothing I can say that, that would sell you on it more than just seeing 
a couple of seconds of footage of this, you're not going to be able to find much footage that isn't attached to someone's, is this the worst game of all time video? Yeah. But I mean, if you go to uh, image search of lady or lizard lady and the cats, uh, or versus the cats, the, the main image just, I don't understand. Like, is that the character? Cause that's not a yes. lizard. That's, that's the character. That's the, yeah, that like green top, purple pants like kind of looking like a crocodile villain from batman a little bit it's just yeah that's that's it you know what batman would shoot her that's how (laughs) that's how yes odd and just ugly and bad that that character model is (laughs) that'd be his first murder in cold blood (laughs) it'd be a big deal all the batman comic people would be losing their minds i don't care if she kills all the cat women so i don't like my favorite part of this so far is you know i keep a list a running list of everything i've beaten for the year Mm because then at the end of the year when it comes time to to think about my game of the year i have all that information kind of readily available for me and i just took a quick look and right now this is the second best game that i've played that came out in 2021 according to who i've played two games that are oh they came out oh i see I see. What else? Came, what else did came out this year? Did you play? Um, that's an excellent question. The only thing currently beating Lizard Lady versus the Cats is Cyber Shadow. Okay, but it's close. You're saying hot on its heels. <laughs> I mean, and I'd have to play eight. No, I'd have to play nine other games better than Lizard Lady versus the Cats. So we'll see. This might not be the last time this year you and I discuss this game because uh, I mean we're already in March, so I mean it's possible. But <laughs> I mean, for forty nine cents, you're gonna get two to three solid belly laughs, and I mean <laughs> that's worth it. A couple of quarters, a quarter per belly laugh has yes, please. So absolutely, um, people pay me more yeah. for less for sure. All right, silly dumb fun. Well, that's interesting. I'm uh, I'm glad you played that for the sake of the entertainment of this podcast. I do <laughs> I do appreciate that. All right, let's get into some of these beaters. Now, again, let's talk about it. You know, if you just want to get on this "just beat it" section of the show, you got to first you got to beat a game, then you got to take a screenshot of the game. You can have your face in it. Caleb J. Ross puts his face in a lot of his beat pictures because he, yeah. he's really proud of his face, I guess. And you do that, and then uh, you you send a tweet, and in the tweet you got to hashtag "just beat it." Uh, it's it's like the Michael Jackson song, but we're not referencing Michael Jackson. <laughs> Uh, and then uh, at Polykill there. That's for us to find it. And uh, say a little something about the game. And if you beat a whole bunch, you could be a Polykiller like the two guys we're about to talk about here. First, though, the runner-up. I just mentioned his name. It's Caleb <laughs> J. Ross. And, Steve, I'm going to bend the rules a little bit here. Not really bend the rules. There's no. I don't know what I'm talking about. But I did see, as we were having this uh, podcast, Caleb has beaten another game. Oh, my, like yeah. as we're recording. Yes, uh, this is it's nine twenty-seven at eight twenty-three p.m. I saw it pop up. Uh, he also beat Little Nightmares too, so I'm gonna add that in. Uh, All right. So, so Dark Siders, Legend of the Skyfish, sounds like a game you would have played this week. Hob, H <laughs> O B Hob, and he also beat uh, Maquette. There, a game that you're looking forward to, and of course Little Nightmares too. He just got in. So, yeah, I don't know what kind of special list he's on, but he managed to get Maquette. I would have had a release, so I think he's going to put up a review. I would hope. And yeah, I, I have a theory that if you print off all of Caleb's beat tweets, that you could flip through them like a flip book, and he'll be mouthing something to <laughs> oh, you. That'd be, I, wow, maybe he's, it's a cry for help. He's saying help or something. <laughs> help me. 
Call the cops. Start, start of some ARG that he's involved with. Yeah, yeah. But we do have a poly killer. Someone did beat more games than Caleb J. Ross this uh, this time around. Huh. It's our buddy Church, the game grinder. Wait, 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 wait. Church. Game grind? You mean Corpse Flood? No, 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 no. You're confused. See, Corpse Flood usually is the poly killer. So I see yeah. where you're getting messed up here. Wow. Okay. But sometimes... It's a different person. It can be <laughs> no. someone else. Wow. I, did, I thought the guy that beat the most games, we just called that guy Corpse Flood. No. And, no and matter when what. it's not Corpse Flood, I know that it's it's just Dean Round 2 Gaming, but <laughs> sometimes he's busy too. Oh, interesting. And so Game Grinder stepped up. Maybe it's because he's on a podcast with Corpse Flood, so he just like naturally absorbs some of that Maybe. mojo that radiates off him. It but, could uh, be that. Yeah, it could be that. Okay, great. Game Tenets Podcast. Let's shout them out. Let's shout these boys out. Big supporters of our show. We're supporters of their yeah. show, the Game Tenets Podcast. Game Grinder and Corpse Flood, of course. Okay. What, what games did he beat? He went through Ghostbusters, the video game, which I think is the Cartridge Club game of the month. I would assume based on how many people beat it this month. No, it's just, it just feels like a Ghostbusters kind of month. Don't you agree? Sure, yeah. yeah Every yeah, month. It kind of feels like it, right? Yeah. Uh, Little Nightmares 2. Hmm. Bloodstained Ritual of the Night's classic mode, which okay. I think is like more like the old school Castlevania games. Yeah, yeah. Blades of Time, Tetris Effect, mm. Lust for Darkness. Now that's the type of game you'd expect someone with Grinder in their name. Yeah. Friends with someone named Corpse Flood. Oh yeah. That that guy's playing Lust for Darkness. Especially in February, the month of love. <laughs> and finally, Spec Ops the Lion. So congratulations, Church. Excellent job. Poly Killer Extraordinaire. Good job. Yeah, it's always fun to, to say different names there instead of Corpse Flood sometimes. So, Corpse Flood, mm-hmm. we miss you. We hope you're okay. Okay, uh, let's talk about some beat tweets then. We pulled some random ones up here. We got Josh Leslie, your co-host. You might know this guy from somewhere uh, for, yeah. at Frantic Society. He says, well, if you miss bad licensed tie-in games, I've got something for you. Fast and Furious Crossroads gameplay and mission structure are objectively terrible. But it had ridiculous Fast and Furious set pieces that would be better if executed well. And then uh, he shared some screenshots. <laughs> Beautiful. Good job beating that one. Now, are we doing, are we inventing voices for our co-hosts on other podcasts on the assumption people haven't listened to any other show but this one? Yeah, I just, I don't know why I did that. I, when I said well, I said it weird, and I was just like, I'm just going to hold on to this. Like, I literally did it because the first <laughs> word I said was was. Well, I was like, well, let's just be that guy then. <laughs> All right. Well, I might as well lie about what Caleb sounds like too then, because oh, our great. next tweet is from Caleb J. Ross. Okay. Just beat it. Hob, <laughs> how did this game not get more attention? Sure, the frame rate stutters to single digits at times, and the game crashed more times than it should. But ignoring those things, this game's a masterpiece. Honestly, it's maybe a top 15 game for me. Wow, that's exactly how Caleb sounds, too. That's a good Caleb impersonation. Yeah, pretty good. But uh, I've actually wanted to check out Hob for a long time, so I'm glad to hear that it's very cool. Very nice. And uh, Caleb's face wouldn't tell me that that's a good game there. I don't know. looks like he might have sharded. The next one here is from (laughs) Church, the game grinder. He says, I've heard nothing but great things about experiencing this game in VR. And the the praise is deserved. He does say the there twice. He does. You did do that. I said it twice too. Okay, all right. He says, I've never thought Tetris could be such a wild and pleasurable visual and audible visual and audio. Ex- I, that was me. That was my fault there, Church. I can't read now suddenly. Pleasurable. What fast karma. Jeez. Got bitten hard. Pleasurable and visual. God dang it. Pleasurable. Pleasure. Can you say that? Pleasurable visual. Pleasurable visual. 
<laughs> Pleasurable visual and audio experience. Best version of Tetris. Picks don't do VR justice. I don't even know how he got a picture of it to begin with, but he now, did beat it. If you couldn't understand that, which of course you couldn't. Sorry, what, I'm so what sorry. What that tweet summarizes too is Tetris Effect is good in VR. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. I am sorry. I, I, I quit the network. I'm sorry for all of all, everything. <laughs> No, no. I need you around to, to elevate me by association. Great. I'm back then. Okay. Next up, from Dylan Charles at D. Charles. I'm not sure what took me so long, but I finally played What Remains of Edith Finch, in part due to a video by Caleb J. Ross. Fantastic <laughs> game. Great storytelling. Going to need to think on this one for a while. Really good mm -hmm. game. Good pick. Yeah, it'll do that for you. It'll stick with you. Next up, top spot. One, two, three. Lifeline 2. Android. Barely counts as a video game, but it's interactive, computer-controlled. It has fail states and a win condition. A choose-your-own-adventure played out over notifications. The story is okay if the writing style comes on a little strong. So he's not even sure he played a game. But he liked it. <laughs> I, I love any beat tweet that that defines what a video game is so it can compare what they just did against it and see if it <laughs> passes muster. <laughs> That's just good stuff. Yeah, yeah. Next up. At Lazy Eyes Played, listening to the IndieQuest pod today reminded me that I've had Monument Valley on my phone for an embarrassing amount of years without ever playing it. Huh. Added it to the list of beats. Hashtag just beat it. P.S. I love when devs add a thank you for playing screen. I agree. He also beat the second one, but the tweet's not mentioned here. So good job on both of those. Love those games. And thank you for listening to IndieQuest. Yes, indeed. Thanks for uh, listening to any show on the old network here. There Lazy Eyes. Uh, we got Church again. You know, I'm not seeing any corpse flood in here. Was he alive the past couple weeks? He did get one in there. He, he beat there. Ghostbusters. Oh, good for him. Okay, good. Okay, Game Grinder here. He's back again. Little Nightmares 2. A fantastic follow-up to the first. Puzzle platformer horror adventure game. No direct story, no dialogue. All atmosphere, all mood. Incredibly well-made and fun, too. I wish these were longer. Here's hoping for a third. Do recommend. Very cool. That's one that I want to get around to this October. That tweet felt like uh, he did it from his phone while in a hostage situation. It was like really quick facts. He's like, no direct story, no dialogue, all atmosphere, all mood. Very good. Do recommend. It's good. Wish it were longer. <laughs> it's funny you say that because I, I literally had the thought to myself, man, that's a lot of information packed into one tweet. How did, how did he get so much detail into 240 characters? Just efficient sentences. <laughs> that's just good stuff. Uh, and our last one here from Rocket Sauce at It's Rocket Sauce, Mega Man 4, hashtag oh, just beat it. Right. Found it to be way more challenging than 2 and 3. Mega Man 4 was the game I rented the most in the series because I loved the robot masters in the game. But seriously, F Brightman. Hmm. All right. That's fair. It's weird because I always thought 4 was the easier of the other ones, but I think it's because I'd already beaten 2 and 3 and I was just... I was warmed up for four, maybe. I don't know. Mega Man's are weird. Some people click with with some, others don't. But good job, Bitch Rocket Sauce. Beating a Mega Man game is always something to brag about. So good job. All right. Mm -hmm. So that's it. That's what other people have beaten. Now we've got to move on, I guess, to my butt. No, your butt. Is it your butt's turn? Uh, oh. Uh, well, I mean, we already did my there's, butt. There's didn't nothing we? leaking out of my belly button, so I don't <laughs> think that I've actually had a turn on the seat yet. Uh, get that belly button leak in there. All right, that's gross. All right, here we go. Mine's all 1996-themed, as you'd, as you'd imagine. Uh, all right, you ready? Would you rather do the Macarena for the entire 90-minute duration of Space Jam 
or play basketball for 90 minutes while you listen to the Macarena. I'd rather do the Macarena while I watch Space Jam. That's kind of like playing Ring Fit, but then watching Space Jam on the side. So, <laughs> Yeah, okay. I think that, I mean, I'd get tired as I went through and I'm doing the different motions, but I don't have 90 minutes of basketball in me. <laughs> I, I just don't think I can... I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they play whole games. Yeah, while you're hearing for 90 straight minutes, <laughs> like, you'd have to listen to the 90 straight minutes. And I got Anna. No, I, I don't think so. All right, in 1996, Dolly the Sheep was successfully cloned. If you could clone yourself, what would you name your clone? Dolly the Sheep. No, really? I would, I would <laughs> really? name it... Isn't like kind of the the standard option that you're supposed to go with in science fiction is your name backwards, so we can name it Evets, mm. and uh, and then there'd be no confusion, you know. There wouldn't. Everyone be. would know who to call us. All right, Evets. So you're not a, you wouldn't be a Nevit. You're not a Steven. Or wait, a Steven? So what would it be? A Steven? Oh fuck! Now I go Evets, Nevins. <laughs> You're doing Steve backward. What would Steven be backward? Are you a Steven proper under birth certificate? Uh, yeah, but don't be using We don't need the letter N you don't in need, there. You don't, just, you don't like it. It just doesn't matter. You don't like well, it? All right. Just unnecessary. That's that's one extra consonant that I don't want to burden you with. Sure. I mean, you saw what me, you saw my struggle. Yeah. Just, you added a letter to it backwards, and I was like, I Nevit? Nevit. <laughs> okay. Sorry about all that. In 1996, listen, in 1996, Oprah Winfrey started her famous book club what was the last book you read it was a lot longer ago than you'd want it to be was it 1996 uh, i assume we're counting audiobooks right yeah 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 yeah. uh it was probably the the wise man's fear which is the second book in the king killer chronicles eventual trilogy of books it was a re-listen I'd already read the book once before, but it was pre-pandemic on a road trip. Interesting. Now, you brought it up. What's the last physical book you thumbed through? It probably would have been one of the Game of Thrones books before I committed to doing them all via audiobook, which would have been a year or two before then, I want to say. I don't think I've read one, like actually sat down and read one. I've thumbed through some books like uh, art of game design and stuff like that. And I've like read the first 50 pages of the golden compass within the last year, but uh, I didn't stick with it and I didn't read it all the way through. So fun fact, fun fact that uh, a song of fire and ice came out in 1996. Oh, sometimes thing. I know a lot about 1996, Steve. You would not believe (laughs) how much I fucking know about 1996. (laughs) Okay. Tickle me Elmo was all the rage during the Christmas season of 1996. Uh, what's your money-making idea for an Elmo doll? What would you, you make him do? All right, so you take Elmo, mm-hmm. and you take like a take like a piece of canvas, like, uh, you know, about the size of a, a credit card. You fold it in half, you stitch up the sides, get kind of like a little, little canvas pouch, little bag. Yeah. And you tie that around Elmo's waist with a piece of string. Okay. You fill it with mini mozzarella sticks. <laughs> <laughs> and then you squeeze the Elmo, and I think you know what happens from there. Yeah. Yeah, I do. 
I like it. Mm. That's very that's very good. I was thinking maybe if you like fart on him, he tells you what you what you ate or something like that. That'd be kind of fun. It'd be nice, a good way to learn about vegetables or something. <laughs> it's marinara mielmo. I like mar. Oh, marinara mielmo. Huh. Well, it's better than my idea, which was fart on mielmo. But, uh, but <laughs> it's mean, also you can, do, you can do that with any elmo, including tickle mielmo. You don't need a special one. Right, but he doesn't tell you what you ate after, which <laughs> I think was the novel part of the technology. But also, fart on mielmo. Big pink eye pandemic there in the old preschool, so we got to really, yeah, yeah. not okay. a good call. It's not great. It's 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 an at home toy. You just that's a one kid toy. You don't take you don't share that toy. Okay, in 1996, Blink 182 began recording for their second studio album that released a year later, called Dude Ranch. If you could have your own Dude Ranch with four other super cool dudes, who would your dudes be? All right. First of all, that's an amazing album. And everybody should listen to it. I think it's a great question. I took a 1997 question, made it feel like 1996, and added dudes to it. It's pretty fun. I don't know if I know specifically what a dude ranch is. Me neither, but this one's just going to have cool dudes on it. But if I'm picking four dudes, any four dudes, who are the coolest four dudes I know? To do ranch stuff with, let's let's put it that way. You have to do ranch, you have to live the ranch life with four other cool dudes. Tight jeans, cowboy hats, straw in the mouth... Okay, well, I'm going to, first up, let's go with, uh, his name's failing, his real name's failing me, but the guy who plays Ron Swanson on uh, Parks and Rec. Yeah, 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 that's, uh... It'll come to me in a moment. Neil Patrick Harris. (laughs) (laughs) No, but my second pick will be Neil Patrick Harris. Oh, good. I think for my Nick for Offerman. My third choice, Nick Offerman. Thank yeah. you. If I wasn't having my voice recorded in real time, I would be able to pull that name out much easier. Sure, I have um, Google. So uh, number three, well, we, we probably should pick Tom DeLonge for number three because he was already at the Dude Ranch even yeah. just for a day. Yeah. So right. he probably could at least give me sort of like the breakdown, the basics. Wouldn't he be able to tell you about all the UFOs nearby too? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> he knows a lot about UFOs. Yeah, that makes him <laughs> normal for sure. Really, you go back, you listen to "Aliens Exist," which at the time you thought was just kind of a jokey song that this pop punk band made, and you realize no, this is his life's manifesto. This is <laughs> this is what he's going to care exclusively about. Yeah, this man is staring at the clouds with a lot of suspicion. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I think you know for my fourth person. I'll I'll invite you along because I oh. can see I can see in your eyes you were starting to sweat you're worried you weren't going to get picked you don't want to be last in gym class and I know oh, you want to be on the dude ranch so you gotta be on the dude ranch yeah hell you yeah come that's on. Awesome. come on with me I love to be one of the dudes that's great <laughs> always wanted to meet all of those fine people so that's great I, I just wonder how Nick Offerman and Tom DeLonge would get along you know you gotta oh, think about that they simply would not <laughs> they have nothing in common. <laughs> Uh, okay, they both probably hate the government. Okay, uh, good hot seat. Yeah, pretty good. Mm. Pretty good. Pretty I fun. liked it. Was was wasn't too bad. No. Uh, now we're gonna we're gonna close out the show here. We've gone long. This has been a long episode, and uh, it's uh, we're not done yet, folks. So I'm I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. You can maybe put it down and come back to us later if this is too much. But we have the 1996 top five coming up, which we promised you a month ago would happen yep. so you knew this was happening you knew it would come it was your this is your fault <laughs> uh but before that steve you know i've had this 1996 life we could take a few minutes you could ask me anything about this 1996 life because i know a lot of people are curious what's 1996 life do things smell the same you know <laughs> who's president they wonder because they didn't look it up 
I, I mean, so in talking with you, obviously most of what we're talking about is games, and I've kind of gotten the sense, and you've mentioned it a couple times, that it's it's sort of a top-heavy year. There's a couple of standouts, mm-hmm. but there isn't as much filling the year as you might think. But is that true for other areas? Like, is it an all-star year for movies, for music? Like, where does 96 excel? Movies and music are actually really good in 1996. Yeah? Uh, for I mean, and that's subjective, of course. But, we, you know, we can start with music. Music in 1996, I think, was the first time that I can remember liking just about every popular genre of music at the time. Because, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't choose to listen to country music maybe even then, but certainly not now. But at the yeah. time, I was around my parents a lot. So I, I just picked up a lot of it. And looking back on it now, I still like a lot of it. A lot of that could be nostalgia. I think of my mom and pa when I hear some Brooks and Dunn, of course. I mean, who doesn't? But I still find a lot of it really listenable. It's less hmm. pandery. It's not as, I don't know, it's just not as gross as i think modern country is it doesn't feel like it's trying to be a lifestyle it's still as as uh jake the former host of this podcast has always said back uh around that time uh, country music was still songs about life and less about lifestyle and i I believe that i think that there's something to that so even Hmm. country music was decent uh again brooks and dunn being a hallmark but there's you know that strawberry wine song and there's a bunch of others uh that you can sing along with and uh annoy your wife with while you do dishes um Hip-hop and, and R&B stuff was amazing. I mean, you had the fun stuff, your Quad City DJs. You had the whole Space Jam soundtrack was pretty lit. Uh, and I, oh, I yeah. went through a bunch of them earlier, your Tupac and Busta and the Fugees and, I mean, all mm. kinds of stuff like that, right? So all that's good. But then you also got you got pop like Sheryl Crow, Spice Girls were hitting pretty hard then, the Jim Blossoms. Um Ugh. I mean, you could go on at the Cranberries. I mean, everybody had a little something going on. Then you get to that grunge world. Man, you got Soundgarden coming out with the fucking Down on the Upside. You got um, Marilyn Manson had the beautiful people come out that year. Prodigy, talking about fire starting. <laughs> I mean, he's great. Uh, Bulls Against the Machine, or Bulls Against the Machine. Rage Against the Machine had Bulls on Parade. It's so good back then. And that's not yeah, even that's, all of it, that's man. Packed. Yeah, there, there's still some stuff that I'm not covering that a lot of people probably wouldn't know about that I still find good. There's like that, there's a lot of like, uh, you know, non-radio friendly hard rock uh, stuff that I'm really into that was still picking up then. And I don't know, Tool had an album out that year. Um, the Wallflowers had that one headlight radio edit song, you know, it was pretty good. It's just a <laughs> good year, man. Really good year for music. Movies though, like if you, if you look up top movies of 1996, You'll see just how good people had it back then. Listen to this, listen to this shit. You got, I mean, off the gate, one of the biggest movies of the year is Independence Day. Oh, oh that's that's good stuff. I mean, that's just out like off the bat. You got some movies that I really, really, really love, like Primal Fear. That's got uh, fucking Richard Gere in it and uh, Edwin Norton, and that's a re- just a fantastic movie. You got Happy Gilmore. You got Broken Arrow. You got Black Sheep. You got uh, just... Oh, man. I'm seeing The Rock came out in 96. The, the Rock, Rock is a great movie. I want to say Broken Arrow came out that year. Fargo, The Birdcage. I mean, it goes on, dude. It's so freaking good. It's so good. 12 Monkeys, I think, came out that year. That Bruce Willis flick with the... With the, the uh, what's his name? Uh, 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 Brett, Brett Hart? Brett the Hitman Hart? No, what's his guy's name? Uh, Brad Pitt? 
Brad Pitt. Uh, Spy <laughs> I Heart. I think you were right with Brett the Hitman Heart. Brett the Hitman Heart was in it. The Cable yeah. Guy came out that year. Mission Impossible, the first Mission Impossible came out that year. Eraser. Wow. I mean, it's it's insane, the movies that came out that year. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I could keep going. It goes on. Train spotting, The Frighteners, Multiplicity. I could just keep going. but And I won't. Well, maybe I will. You got Escape from L.A. <laughs> you got Jack, that funny movie with Robin Williams in it. Ah, oh, so good. But, I, you know, I could keep going. Uh, so, I mean, would you say that that's how you've spent more of your entertainment time than in this last month is packing it with more movies than games? No, maybe a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I've tried to get in the movies a lot. You know, I've, I'm not a big movie watcher. I'm kind of like you. I've spent most of my time playing games, you yeah. know, and until the last couple of months, I really didn't have the attention span for a lot of movies. So, uh, but you know, honestly going back, rewatching some of those ones that I, the last time I saw them was in the nineties was, was really good. We also biodome came out there. The movies ass. Um, yeah. but we, you know, we had the Discord do some double nineteen ninety six double features. We watched a lot of stuff from there, including Twister. I don't even know if I mentioned Twister. Twister is one of the best movies that came out that year. It's phenomenal. So yeah, I did. I I did end up doing that because there's just so much more good stuff in the movie realm than in the video game realm that year. Even though you didn't have a lot of games at your fingertips in nineteen ninety six, gaming's future looked really promising at that time too. Yeah, because you had. You know, the PlayStation had just launched. It was picking up steam. Then 64 came at the tail end of the year. You know, rumblings about all these other things that were going to be happening. So if you splice and take 1996 out and set it on a plate by itself, the what came out of game or what games you got that year still look pretty good. Resident Evil, yeah. Tomb Raider, all the all those things look, look pretty good. But um, it doesn't match movies in terms of depth, for sure. That's kind of the sense I was getting. and uh, It surprises me looking through the list how many movies came out in 96 and stuff like you mentioned mission impossible it's always fascinating to me seeing when the first movie in like mm-hmm. what became this massive franchise came out and like how different their headspace probably was at the time yeah when creating it so that's very cool the, the other thing that i was kind of curious about is for anyone that's been following along on on twitter or i know people have been in the discord too you've been blogging you've been doing like a day-by-day kind of breakdown of your experience from the time machine and what is neat is in those you've also talked through a lot of news stories Mm. from 96 was there anything that i don't open-ended i guess but like i'm curious was there anything that you were surprised did happen in 96 or just like upon reading more about you learned new information on or just like what were the headlines from 96 that stood out to you the most so i mean I, i'll try not to like get this uh in a moving to a dark true crime place that i thrive in but yeah um there were two really big news stories that i remember taking hold of the news cycle when i was a kid uh, one was the centennial park bombing from the olympics I remember that being a huge deal Mm-hmm. And uh, Richard Jewell uh, being the center of that investigation unfairly. I didn't understand that when I was a kid. And that got glossed over at some point where I didn't even know how that resolved. So looking back on that now, I was like, oh, holy shit. Yeah, of course, yeah, that guy didn't do that, right? Why is his name so synonymous with this when he's innocent? So that was sort of eye-opening to go back and recount that. And I did that actually through a movie that came out in 2019, but it was about a 1996 event. So I, I mm. counted it. Um, so that was huge. That was interesting to go back and learn about that. Uh, John Bonet was, I mean, it came at like, there was five days left in 1996 when that happened. Um, uh-huh. but that was a massive, uh, news story that, that took over. But 
you know, when you think about it, and maybe I'm just spoiled now, or not spoiled, but just jaded now by the constant 24-hour news cycle of like, every time I see breaking news pop up on my phone, I suspect that it's the worst thing that I've ever seen in my life. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like you have that like, what happened now? So we're just so used to mass shootings and just uh, just weird yeah. political uh, you know unrest and that wasn't the case in 1996 like there, a lot of bad things happened in 1996 sure like every day people died in tragic ways but the news cycle really only fixated on a couple of stories and there were no there were very few uh, in America there were very few like mass shooting I mean there was virtually one I think multiple uh, school shooting in America in 1996. Wow. That was kind of interesting in a way where most of the news stories that I read, it felt like, you know, weird how it's been 25 years and not much has changed. Because back then, you know, Donald Trump is still in the headlines and <laughs> the Clintons are in the headlines and stocks are going up and down for the same companies that are affected now. And it's like, wow, really? We live in the same world. But if, you know, there's some things you can look at and be like, well, maybe it was a little less this or that. And, um, there were a few things that just weren't as prevalent back then, like like a lot of the school stuff. So wow. that was kind of interesting. And I know like when you said headlines, maybe you were expecting something different, but no, um, that's basically it. Yeah, it's it's a lot of different, but also a lot of the same. Very, very interesting to hear about. When I, when I think back to that time period, it's so hard for me to separate 96 from, for me, being eight years old. So I have, I don't have much of a sense of like, what was it like to live in that time period in a state that is analogous to how I am now, right? Like mm-hmm. now I'm very aware of the current events and things that are going on in the world and like the, the good and the bad for better or worse. But back then it was like, I literally only cared about my Nintendo 64 and didn't <laughs> even like know that news existed. So it's yeah. like you, you were in a different 96 than I was just by, by proxy of how old you are going back to it. So, I mean, it's been really interesting to hear all this stuff about 96, but, here you are on the last day are you excited for anything in particular as you exit that year like what's the big blowout what's the first thing you're gonna do that's 2021 and and are you happy to be leaving 96 behind are you done with it yeah i think okay that's that's a good question so to sum it up and uh i'd have to put more thought into this to articulate it into a blog but this is a good exercise for that i really think it was a month was a good length for that. So mm. I know I, I seem like I was complaining earlier about like, man, first half was, was fun and the second half was rough. But um, I liked the second half a lot because I liked I liked living in the restrictive world. I thought that that was fun. It's like camping uh, in a way. Like I don't have all yeah. the, you know, I don't have all the modern amenities. And uh, that was kind of fun because I found myself doing things that I wouldn't have normally taken the time to do. And some of that is, you know, playing games I wouldn't have played before just because they came out in 1996. But also, like, I ended up watching more movies. I spent more time with people because there wasn't as much for me to dive into. I was like, well, I don't really want to play this game again. And I don't really have a ton to choose from. So, you know, maybe we can do a double feature night on the Discord and hang out with more people and watch, you know, a couple movies from 1996 that are enjoyable. So I found Mm -hmm. myself being a little more social. It affected me in ways I didn't expect it to, to be quite honest, in a a really weird way. I, I discovered a lot of music. Uh, which is weird to say. I mean, this music's been out for 25 years, but I had to I had to dig deep to find yeah. stuff that wasn't the Macarena or t- Tony Braxton, <laughs> and that was fun. So yeah, I think I was really happy with this. I got out of it exactly what I wanted to, which was I learned a lot about a period of time. I got to do a lot of self-reflection. There was a lot nice. of like, oh, I remember 1996, I was like this, and this this is uh, different now, and, and whatever. I thought a lot about my parents, which was nice. 
would I do it again though? Maybe maybe a good uh, next question for you that I'm just going to ask for you. Uh, <laughs> I I would, I would definitely do this again with a different under with a different year, of course. Uh, but I would definitely not do it alone. I think that made it tough. Is that uh. I hadn't. I, I would have really liked to maybe plan it out a little bit and have a partner to bounce ideas off of or to share the experience with because I did feel like like a gross kid on a playground, like people like, being like, ew, <laughs> no, like you can't do that. Like, you know, getting into it helpfully, being like, well, you know, this movie came out in 97, so you can't watch that. But also like, I don't know. It just it felt weird sometimes. Like I was in a different time and I couldn't play with everyone else sometimes. So were you getting like... Either because of everyone else doing whatever, or just as you saw things release, movies, music, games, whatever. Did you feel much FOMO? Were you were there ever times where you were looking at twenty twenty one and you were like, oh, I really want to do that, but I'm I can feel the chains around my ankles here. No, not really. I didn't see anything happen or come. I mean, and I'm not a day one adopter of most things anyway, which yeah. is probably why I was excited to do nineteen ninety six. So yeah, I didn't I didn't have that problem, and they might that might just be unique to me. But I will say, I of all the things that I pined for was just different music, and oh, yeah. I didn't even realize I, I listened that. to that much music to begin with. So well, and maybe you didn't as much, right? Maybe now that you were listening to a lot of music, it made you realize how quickly you can burn through a catalog. That's true too, but also like I would listen to bands from 1996 that I liked, and I would want to listen to more of it. And I'm oh, like, oh shit, yeah. like <laughs> I I can't yet. I have to wait. And that was kind. Of, it was kind of fun. And I I stuck to those rules. I never snuck one in just to get like ah, oh, just nobody will know. I'll just I really tried to 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 put myself in that bubble. And yeah, I I think it. Uh, you know, first thing in the morning, I'm listening to all kinds of crazy shit that I've been just really wanting to hear. Or like, you get an earworm in your head that's not from 1996. You know, the best way to treat it is to just hear that song. Mm-hmm. I would get that would happen. I'd be like, I need to listen to this, and I cannot. And it would just be tough. So <laughs> interesting. Well, yeah. I'd be curious to hear how other people enjoyed hearing about '96. I think it would be interesting if you were to do it again. You could maybe even convince me to join you in a year mm-hmm. somewhere down the line. I think we'd be better served if we were to do that, to pick something a little further in the future. For your sake, maybe, yeah. Right? Because you'd have more memories. Late 90s, early 2000s. I'd have more nostalgia about that period, but also if both of us were to do it, it would be better for us to have something where we could maybe play multiplayer games against each other from that time period. There you go, yeah. So you'd want where the internet was at least like, acknowledged enough where that is a realistic thing yeah yeah i i'm with you yeah maybe maybe every february we give it a go or we could do it later i don't know we, we'll plan it out but yeah i don't think it's a bad idea and uh maybe it's something that we could uh base a community of a community effort around if other people wanted to go uh time camping with us which is a new way to call it that <laughs> good opportunity if anyone enjoyed hearing about it thinks that it would be fun for them to do whatever it might be whatever your thoughts were on the experiment that you listened to here uh write in let us know let us know your thoughts on it and uh if if it seems cool to other people, it seems cool to me. Maybe, like you said, next February something might come about. That's right, yeah. And if you are curious about anything that I didn't mention here, I wrote a blog most days of February that uh, I'm I'm fairly proud of that effort. Um, yeah. So go and back these, and these check those out. These are meaty blogs, too. Like, I got to give you a shout-out. They are they're long, they're funny, and, like, you took the time to, like, put in pictures and funny captions and stuff. Like, it's not, it's not just, like, 
it doesn't come across as five minutes of unfiltered thoughts at the very end of your day. It seems like some work went into making them entertaining, even if they were just five minutes of unfiltered thoughts. <laughs> no, I appreciate that. Yeah, I, I really do. They, they got fewer and further between at the end of the month because the effort was <laughs> uh, insurmountable at some point. But uh, I do have a couple more. I might write a couple a little further into March as I reflect on the experience. But uh, but yeah, it was a good time. Thanks for uh, reading those, by the way. It's was, it was fun. Okay, yeah. uh, let's. Uh, we got a honking episode here. Woo! Oh man. So let's uh, let's get these top five. Let's rattle them out. Top five let's... games from 1996. Let's Ooh. do it now. As our resident 96 expert, probably best if you go second, so mm-hmm. that you can you can close us off. You're the last person to speak of 96 on this podcast. Sure. Okay. Sounds good. So, so let me hit you with my first one, and you know, we've kind of reached a point in these where quite often we we line up and i i think that we're going to see a lot of similar games on these two lists as we've talked about 96 is pretty top heavy so i don't know where it falls for you but i'd be surprised if it wasn't on your list my number five is resident evil the first resident evil i didn't actually play resident evil uh, right when it came out my first resident evil was resident evil 2 but i remember a lot of discussion on the playground back in the day a friend of mine had resident evil and he kept recommending it to me and recommending it to me and trying to explain it to me and i was like that sounds horrible it doesn't sound fun at all and then you know i was a little kid so my mind switched instantly when i saw that it was popular and that i could be cool while i played it and it was the first uh, resident evil 2 was the first game i got with my ps1 and right after that i went back and i played the director's cut of resident evil 1 and i just love that classic resident evil style i think that the just like the quaint setting in the mansion it being like smaller in scale all the camp it's just it's just obviously a good time what can you say about a game that is so well loved i know man might come up again who knows yeah i would believe that but what's your number five my number five is going to be the og tomb raider and it's it's going to be interesting that uh, and i don't know that this was ever planned obviously it wasn't planned but it's weird that both Tomb Raider and Resident Evil are staples in the Tales of the Lesser Medium series, and both of them kicked off the same year. I don't know that I ever put that together. But, um, yeah, the original Tomb Raider. And I uh, I played that later in life. I dabbled with it at the time, and I thought it was just too hard. And mm-hmm. it is a very hard game, but I, I played with our, our boy Brian uh, Briz in our Discord a few years back, probably five or six years ago at this point. Was We played through it. And uh, man, that's another one that's just really rewarding to to beat. It's jank, it's picky, it's aggravating, it's tough. But once you beat it, I, I think the the euphoria of beating a game that's that anal is real good. Interesting. Um, in my mind, forever and ever, Tomb Raider was the type of game that I played on a demo disc, but never would actually play through myself. So yeah, um, and it's not for everybody. It is. It's mean. It's a mean game. I've never gone through one, either the old ones or the kind of modern trilogy of Tomb Raiders. I'm completely oblivious to them all. So mm. N- nice vote of confidence for it. Maybe I will uh, go back and check one out. Oh, you should. The, the modern ones for sure. Yeah. My number four is uh, probably, if you're an RPG fan, probably high up on your 1996 list, Super Mario RPG. Mm-hmm. I played this first uh in high school i think so again not right when it came out but right when i found uh emulators the first thing i did on my computer with a bunch of different roms was go through a thousand different rpgs that i had missed and mario rpg was one of them but it always stood out to me 
because it was so unique at the time it felt to have an rpg with a battle system that has some level of interactivity where you need to actually do something time button presses whatever as you're playing through even if it's not really that dramatic or that like uh well explored in in a lot of cases but yeah really interesting game there's nothing else i don't think out there that really feels like mario rpg it like kind of truly stand on its own as a -a one-of-a-kind experience and uh I don't think anything really ever could feel like that again because it was a very time and place game. It mm-hmm. like needed to exist at the very tail end of 2D games being successful, but just a ton of fun. I think it's interesting that game kicked off the Mario RPG franchise. Yeah. Which all went 2D when they could have gone 3D, and that one was 3D when it could have gone 2D. Like It's interesting <laughs> how that worked out. Yep. Uh, but yeah, that's one that it didn't quite make my list, but it's definitely one I thought about, and it's a, an honorable mention for sure. My number four, though, game that I uh, spent a lot of, well, I, I saw a lot of 4 a.m.s flash and realized I needed to get to bed, which was Civilization II. Ooh, so, interesting. That's, yeah. a, a lot of people, when I did my stream, were mentioning Civilization II as like a potential contender to be high up. It surprised me because I've never played that series, and I had no mm-hmm. idea that two was the one that people were nostalgic for. I didn't know that that was the standout one in any way. Uh, yeah, I mean it's nostalgic to me because I played it. <laughs> I mean, I I didn't play like all of the ones in the series. I never played the original one. I think I played like weird entries, like two, five, and six, or something like that. So, um, but yeah, two two was one that again it, the whole civilization recipe can just it just fucks with time. Like you'll start playing that game at like ten thirty at night, and before you know it, like you blink, it's five a.m. and you've done nothing. You've absolutely done nothing, but you had fun the whole time. And also, Gandhi's an asshole, but it's good. It's a good time. So, Civilization Two is my number four. Interesting. I like that pick. Mm-hmm. It makes me feel guilty for never having played that series. Good. My number three is one that we already talked a decent amount about. That's Sonic Three D Blast. In addition to all the nice things we already said about it, this was one of the two or three. Uh, what I call like eternal rental games. So I, I played it first. I saw one of my cousins play it, I think. And then Sonic 3D Blast was one of those games that I just kind of kept renting. And then we'd go back and I would just re-rent it and re-rent it. And I never actually owned a copy for myself, but I probably played dozens and dozens of hours of it just because it was like the one that I always wanted to bring home. Or if nothing new had come out, this was like the the fallback rental game that I would play. So just really deserves a little bit more love than it gets go back play sonic 3d blast it's fun yeah yeah pretty solid game looks really good for the genesis uh yeah so my number three is going to be resident evil and my my love for this franchise is not i'm not shy about it you know it was the very first Mm. one i wanted to cover in tales of the lesser medium i really loved resident evil 7 i'm so excited for resident evil 8 but i gotta say when these resident evils first came out was not very good at them. I was honestly too scared to play the first one. I didn't play the first one until the second one came out. I wasn't good at it. I didn't like the tank controls. I had a really rocky relationship with this game and this franchise for years. It wasn't until, I don't again, five or six years ago at this point, again, my boy Briz, we always play the spooky games or the tough games together. It always helps <laughs> to have a bro. We yeah. played the Resident Evil remake on GameCube, which is a really good remake. I mean, it, looks, it polished everything up. It's, it's so good. And um, fell in love with the franchise there. That was my first, like, oh, shit, okay, these games are great. 
And then I just, I've been just enamored with them ever since. So while I haven't, I don't know if it's fair to say like this version is in my top five 1996 game, but because I didn't play it, um, I played yeah. the the remake. I still love it so much. And even going through that Tales, you know, when we were scripting it, I got a bigger dose of the story than I ever got while playing it. And it's really fascinating. Some of the stuff that uh, they base a lot of the characters on and a lot of their a lot of their motivations that you don't really know or you don't really pick up on, that you can only really read about, is uh, really dark and, and cool. <laughs> I think it's metal as hell. So a uh, huge fan of Resident Evil. Awesome. Well, you transitioned me nicely into my number two. Speaking of metal as hell, my number mm. two game is Diablo first diablo yeah i was actually one of the people that did play this before diablo 2 i know most people hopped in at diablo 2 but i remember spending many many an evening in my friend's basement just setting up like simple lobbies on the the battle.net servers and uh getting people to come in and dupe weapons and armor and gear and stuff for us so that we could burn through the game so um as with is the case with most 96 games i don't think i played it right when it came out but i did put a lot of time into this one uh maybe just as much into the first as i did into the second and i don't know i just think that um i like how contained the first one is the second one is like so expansive and probably ultimately is a, a game that i like more than the first but something about that first game and it just being like uh, 15 to 20 floors all in kind of like one main dungeon it's just it feels like it's packed dense with 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 quality good times. Yeah, and that's one that I started and I got I got stuck on and haven't gone back yet, but I will. Um what I think is interesting about Diablo for 1996 is that it's it's actually disputed when the no one knows exactly when the game came out. Yes, I I had a that? little moral debate with myself about this because uh, I was reading about it a little bit. Um it, people flubber between 96 and 97 mm -hmm. and the reason i ended up calling it definitively a 96 game is uh, i think i read this on wikipedia or something but apparently in 2016 on december 31st is when blizzard officially like celebrated the 20 year anniversary of diablo so they were obviously trying to ride the line right but them them sticking the pin on december 31st 96 is the 20th anniversary to me was enough to be like all right we'll call this one a, a 96er yeah i i agree with you i mean i think it, i just think it's interesting that a game that's that yeah that renowned and uh from a modern era they're like when did we do we not have like any paper or anything <laughs> like <laughs> there's no database no nobody knows when this game officially came out so that's really weird, but yeah, I've I've been counting it as 1996 all year. Maybe just from a optimism standpoint of wouldn't it be great <laughs> if I could play Diablo this month? So, it's I mean it's interesting. You always hear about old like NES games not having definitive release dates because you know they just when it was done they shipped them to stores. Yeah. And East Coast stores might get them weeks or months ahead of West Coast sure. stores or whatever it is. But Diablo. It, <laughs> for for that to still be the case in 1996 just feels crazy to me like when you when you contrast that to how things are now and how big of an ordeal anything's release date is and it drops mm -hmm. exactly at 1201 on that day like entirely different world yeah it's insane all right so my number two is going to be quake i've mm. been having a lot of fun with quake that's probably been the one that i've spent the most time with this month and 
it's the recipe of, of Doom, just a little different. I mean, what's there to hate about it? It's fun. I am interested to know, because you know Quake definitely doesn't have the reputation of a Doom, right? It, it, I don't even think it has a reputation of like a Duke Nukem. Like it's it's definitely, it plays a third, third or fourth fiddle of that era. And I, I don't know why. I guess maybe people expected more from a Doom follow-up or something like that. Um, it doesn't have a lot of the music uh, or anything. I don't know. But I still have fun with it. I think it's a lot of the, you know, fun sort of, uh, you know, labyrinthian, scary, jump scare, bloody, gory, giblet, fire, hell, heavy metal, big gun, you know, hoopla that I'm into. And I've been having a lot of fun with it. It is pretty tough, but yeah. I love it so much. Very addictive, very fast paced for that era, too. I think a lot of games like Resident Evil, especially even Tomb Raider, slow plotting uh you, you get on your your sega saturn you're waiting for load times your playstation's loading all the time your n64 is not loading but that doesn't make it like a super fast bang bang game right quake yeah. is like maybe the you know the most um fuel to the flames fucking time that you could get out of 1996 i would think so that's why i like it so much basically all modern speedrunning owes itself to quake because the original uh, games done quick was a quake done quick and the original speed demos archive website was originally designed to house quake speed runs and it all just like the community around that eventually blossomed and branched out to dozens of other games and so it was huh. a big one i don't think i knew that interesting yeah i i kind of have a working theory though that it, with stuff with older pc games like that i feel like nostalgia starts to pool up around one entry in the series like with old Diablo games, I always feel like the original Diablo isn't quite as celebrated historically because there's so much love for Diablo 2. Yeah. And I think the same thing happens with Quake because all the nostalgia pools around Quake 3 Arena, that's the Quake entry that everybody looks back on really fondly. So the original one, I think, just gets kind of left behind. Could be. All right. All right, let's hit you with that number one. I'll be surprised if this isn't the same one for us. Can we try to say it at the same time? You want you want to do a three two one hit ya? All right, three two one. Super Mario sixty four. Okay, I wasn't gonna say the super <laughs> part, but that's good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck yeah, dude. How, I mean, how did, could it I, not be? I, I would have been so offended <laughs> if you went through those other four games and 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 didn't say Mario and it wasn't your number one. Uh, uh, imagine the audacity to have 3D Sonic 3D Blast on a list <laughs> that Mario sixty four is not featured on. I know. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I mean it's we've we've I think we've we've talked I think it's been a number one in a previous top yeah. five for us I think maybe we did a top five I don't know Mario game I don't remember but um he, a huge fan of this one I'm unabashedly nostalgic for it maybe that maybe that f feeds in a little bit but I do think that this game is the best game of that came out in 1996 oh. hands down I don't think it's close in my opinion people some people don't like the N64 I learned that this past month P people don't like it. That's fine. This game is, <laughs> is still phenomenal. It's hard to argue with how important it was and how good it is. Like, I know people have, people go back and they play it now, and the, the camera is a little bit stubborn with the way that it moves around, it, like different angles of Mario. One, for me, that doesn't really get to me very much. I don't see the complaints that others do. But two, just thinking about them adapting Mario into a 3d space they had to make so many decisions about how that would work and like how it would even possibly function and for them to get so 
many of those decisions right on the first try. And then on top of that, make it like a really well-running game and a super fun, extremely varied game. Like there's so much to that game. It could be, it could be half as long with half as many levels and people would still think of it as this like innovative milestone that redefined a genre and ushered in 3d gaming so it's just to be the geniuses on that team i I can't even imagine it is mind-blowing it is mind-blowing i don't think we are alone i think there's a lot of love for this one so mario 64 my uh my 1996 game oh choice yeah that's it that's it uh part of the reason that this list is what it is though is because i think we mentioned all the ones worth mentioning that's the truth I don't yes. know that there is anything else. And that's what <laughs> I, I was getting at. Like those are, that's the seven or so games that you could even put in the same pool. In preparation for this, I went through on my stream and I did a top 10. And I feel like there's a pretty clear dotted line that separates the top half from the bottom half of that top 10. It was, yeah, it was a, a lot fuzzier in that bottom half. Cause you're like, yeah, I mean, when you when you're analyzing like your number nine favorite game and you're like I guess Wave Race is pretty fun yeah I, <laughs> yeah and it is fun but it should never be in a top ten for like an all time list of a year in a year you couldn't find eleven better games than Wave Race which is a fine and, game it's still uh, incredible I mean there there was like Command and Conquer that year there's Duke Nukem 3D Kirby Superstar there's an Elder Scrolls there's Donkey Kong three nights in the dreams but th- none of those are like material for for the best game of the year you know what i'm saying like it's it's bizarre to me how big of a separation there was between the i guess the have and have nots when you when it comes down to it but anyway yeah. we've 1996 buddy we we crossed a threshold Oof. of about two hours here geez louise i don't know that we've ever had one this long i apologize to all you out there who were like i had to listen to this podcast for two months because my commute's really short uh, sorry about that. I don't apologize to you. If you're still here, if you're still listening, <laughs> I have no apologies. The only people that are still <laughs> hanging around this long are people that wanted it to be two and a half hours long. So thank you for proving Trav wrong and being a dedicated listener. I guess. I guess. I couldn't listen to me for this long, but I appreciate those who did. So uh, let's wrap it up here. Where can you find Steve there on the internet in the off hours? Where are you at? Where are you hanging out? You can find me. I mean, the best place to find me is on Twitch. Twitch.tv slash Blinkoom. O-O-M. M like, hmm, what's a good one? You just said, M mm, like, you, you nailed it. Oh, like M like, mm, <laughs> there you go. M like, mm. I'm a genius. <laughs> I'm a genius. <laughs> or, or on Twitter by the same name. Uh, or on IndieQuest Podcast. Go check out that one, too. Right on. Yeah, you can find me. I'm on Twitter at TravPlaysGames, and I'm on just about every other podcast on PolyMediaNetwork.com, except for IndieQuest and Petey's Power Hour. So those are other good ones to check out. Better ones, I would even say, to check out. So until next time, I'm Travis, that's Steve, and we'll see you around. Enjoy 96, y'all. Mm-hmm.